have I got a story for you. He lost all hope and his plant-based diet, called it quits, embraced Chick-fil-A, his couch, and the fact that open mics were a thing of the past. But dear listeners, don't call it a comeback when you see today's guest on stage, because he's been there for years. But first, a word from today's sponsor, Andre Psyche. Andre Psyche com is dead, dear listeners, but Andre Psyche on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, the person, he is alive and thriving. Andre's adopted a minimalistic lifestyle with materialistic things like websites, cars, his hair. However, there is nothing minimalistic about his creative libido, which is fully stimulated and viewable on most social media platforms. See, Andre's a freelance creator extraordinaire, someone who makes music, poetry, art, clothing, and lives to make others feel good. Search him up. It's Andre Psyche the next time you're looking to friend or follow someone outside of your social circle. We are also brought to you by Cups. How else are you going to sip your drinks? Were you thinking about using your disgusting, overly sanitized palms as the life-sustaining liquids encapsulator? I mean, it's called a cupboard for a reason. Nobody calls it shit a plate board. Thank all your cups today for all that they do to keep you hydrated. Friend and follow the Getting to Know You pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. It's getting the number two, no, the letter U, pod. Feeling generous with your time? Have like five seconds to spare? Take a moment right now and push the subscribe button on whatever app you're listening to the Getting to Know You pod on. While you're at it, please rate and review the podcast. Looking to do more and earn some karma credits? You can go to our patreon.com search getting the number two, no, the letter U, pod, and become a subscriber for as little as $2 a month. It won't mean much to your bank account, but will appreciate it as if it were two bitcoins. Finally, we're looking for sponsors and advertisers. So if you or someone you know has a business or brand and would like to expand your market reach, consider partnering with us. We get to know people from all around the world. The podcast is downloaded in over 40 different countries and almost all of the states in America. If somebody could call someone they know in the Dakotas, we would uh, be be about like 50 of them at that point. (laughs) So again, if you or someone you know are looking to get more traffic to your site, more followers on your social, more purchases of your product, more clicks on your whatever. Just message us. And now, getting to know you. Hello. Getting to know you. Getting to know all about you. I'm going to do a terrific show today. Getting to like you. Getting to hope you like me. Because I'm good enough. Getting to know you. Putting it my way. I'm smart enough. You are precisely and doggone it. my cup of tea. On today's show, we are getting to know comedian Rob J. Rob J, and I didn't get to ask you while we were talking and making terrible, well, I was making terrible jokes. You were being polite and laughing at them. Are you in New York? Yes, man. I'm in, I'm in Brooklyn right now. I'm a transplant but Brooklyn, New York. Awesome. And Clinton Hills. I don't know if you're familiar with the area of Brooklyn. No, it's and funny, man. I was um I was actually born <clears throat> in New York City, grew up in Jackson Heights, Queens, till I was about eight. 
Okay. And then moved to Delaware. Well, I think we went to Westchester, which I guess is like kind of snobby, some like suburb yeah. where you got a little bit of money. And then moved to Delaware and lived in a trailer and remember nothing about New York and New York City at all. It's it's a shame. Um, I, so when you say lived in a trailer, you you like you like serious or yeah you know, yeah 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 no. Oh, okay, gotcha. Came gotcha, to Delaware. Gotcha, so right. a trailer like in Delaware, trailers would be like a low income apartments basically. Then you got trailer gotcha. parks. So, so it, you ate mile in it. it yeah, in in an essence, gotcha. I I don't know if I'm tough like that. I definitely don't have the flow, and my mom is definitely not that hot. <laughs> But <laughs> um, oh, you talking about, yeah, you definitely talking about the movie. I'm thinking like, is Eminem mom really looking no. like? But I, I, I see. What was that Kim Bassinger? Ex- yeah, she's she's like yeah. Cindy Crawford holding on to it, man. I mean, she's aged so like J Lo, just aged so well. Oof. Yeah, J- no, J. I don't even think hey, J Lo. You can't consider that aging. That's just she looked good. You know, some women. You gotta, you know, be cognizant of their age and be like, oh, she looked good for J Lo. Just looked good for period. If it's a twenty year old next to J Lo, I'm not gonna be like, uh, it's just J Lo. J Lo looked good. Yeah. So, with but the- Kim Bassinger for her age, she looks good. <laughs> I, I, it's levels fitness. It's levels, man. You gotta be, you gotta be cognizant. The qualifier. Yeah. You know, you're an all star if um you don't need the qualifier for your age oh. or any sort of qualifier beforehand. It's just if people blank. just go, damn. Right. You know, <laughs> like I, I follow Holly Berry on Instagram. I never look at her and think, oh, because like for her age, I just be a dancer yeah. good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it's just certain people just have that, you know. But yeah. You think, but Kim, much- shout out to Kim Bassinger when she hears this. She's, she's She looked good in 8 Mile. That was a while ago. I, I just want to throw that out. I don't want people putting up screens going, this is what you think look good? Like, you know, so. This is your, for not her judging age. a woman. God, this is a different time. I, I'm not judging women's looks. I'm just saying, you said it. I didn't care. Eight mile trailer park. <laughs> I'm all over the place, man. I can't, I can't say anything controversial these days. No. You're shaming a woman. But yeah. That, so that's kind of interesting because I, even though whatever, I, I, so I'm a teacher and I do this podcast thing and I guess I try to be aware of what I'm saying, but I'm not trying to be a professional entertainer. So is that something yeah. like forefront in your mind when you start trying to crack jokes that it's like, I can't no, be controversial, I'm, I'm but a, I got to be funny? Be, I'm going to be so, that's a great question. No, I'm going to be so, especially like trying to start from the bottom of the totem pole. It's hard enough just to be funny. Like I can, I I'm cognizant of the new uh, era of as far as like what people get offended by, and I feel like I take it as a challenge. Instead of being like, oh, you can't say anything, comedians are handcuffed. Nah, I just take it as a challenge. And so what I caught myself was, I, I was falling into that trap of judging a woman's looks when you know dudes be looking like shit. Like no one cares. Uh, let me think. It's it's so many actors that just look like shit, but they just go, oh, they're so talented, so they get, you know, parts and stuff. But I'm sitting here like, you know, does a woman look good? But I was really trying to give a compliment and say, you know, certain women, they just look good. Fuck that they 40, 50, whatever. Yeah. J-Lo just look good. That's, I, and me trying to compliment J-Lo, I felt like I was shaming Kim Bassinger. But That's as far true. as that question goes, I personally don't don't care in the sense that I don't believe funny trumps being offended, offensive. I think real funny isn't as offensive. I don't know if that that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? If it's really funny, yeah, 
people don't, it's not offensive. You know what I'm saying? I think it's cheap yeah. when people be like, oh, you're just sensitive. It's like, nah, maybe work on that shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah, well, it's like you could be racist or you could make fun of racial issues and not cross right. a line, right? Like, cause it's the insight, it's, it's the wit, it's the unique perspective. And I'm no sort of comedy expert, but I enjoy laughing. And it's like right. when you giggle because it's, you're like, they've, they've made you look at something you hadn't thought of yourself. And it's surprising. Right. It's like, oh my God, that's so true. And like, it's a bit right. of truth, but the delivery, the wording, even the way the words that get picked, you're like, wow, that's, that's great insight. Yeah, no, without question, there's certain stuff I laugh at and I know, like, I'm, I'm going to be completely honest, there's chauvinistic shit I laugh at, and I'm like, that's just so barbaric, like, that's the caveman mentality, <laughs> but, like, if someone, like, if I'm you know, playing around with my roommate, and I'm like, woman, get in the kitchen, I know for a fact I don't mean that, Yeah. but in the context of the conversation, it's funny, but it's it's not outside of that you know, particular moment. So there's stuff that's like, like when you like brought up race and, you know, things of that nature, uh, there's stuff that's funny, but it's, it's, it's ridiculous, you know? And it's like, comedy is not an exact science. It's all about the perspective perspective. So the great ones make people see it from their perception. And that's the journey. It's not about me getting it through how you see it or how you lived it it's like as a like for me for example as a black man i'm about to tell you what it's like for me so if you find the commonality of like oh i can see how that's the genius in it you know making someone else feel what you feel even though they they'll never go through that situation how long have you been at it you said starting from the bottom up how long have you gone that's that's like the the great question i feel like every day is my first day but no um really (laughs) well just a fresh approach, especially since quarantine. Like, I feel like everything leading up to that moment, I was the next, oh, I was about to. And then it's like a year of like, what the fuck? Like, you know, eating Cheetos and playing Warzone. So I'm like out of shape. I, the most, if you could look at it as a person go to the gym, I'm, I'm out of shape. But I started, what, 2011 is when, or yeah, 2009, 2011 is when I, first had the idea like my friends was like you know try you know and I was like playing around with it but it was like a year before quarantine I would tell someone like like how you introduced me before I would be like don't put that pressure on me but I've accepted I'm I'm gonna be like you're embracing it right almost like speaking it into existence as an artist it's a huge leap to mentally accept and what comes along with it like this is what I am regardless because you're opening yourself up right like if someone says comedian the expectation immediately goes somewhere and now you've got a cream rises to the top right like you've got to meet that yeah yeah absolutely but i like i i you know that's why yeah that year before before quarantine i finally as an artist put it all together like personal life professional life health-wise spiritual-wise I was like on my on my shit, so I was like from then on out. If someone asks, I'm a comedian. Period. 
and you were doing so good, karma came and just fucked the whole world and was like, and everything I, I shut down because he's man, just feeling I, himself too much. <laughs> I try not to be that person that makes, you know, everyone's a star in their own movie, right? right? And I try to be like, man, look at that. Yo, the world conspired against my ass. Like, but uh, I made it, fun it, of the uh, Illuminati. I, mean, I know everyone. It felt like that, man. Yeah. It, it really did. Like, because I was on a roll. Like, some people, um, they, their life was like shit before quarantine. Like they never had enough time to sleep, never had enough time to eat healthy. They're like, what's the vegetable? And all of a sudden quarantine hit and like they put their life together. Like they is people out there like, man, I started working out. You heard about this drink called water. Like all of a sudden, you know, they getting it all together. And me, I was a complete opposite, like sleeping, going through my dreams, everything in line. And then it just threw me complete off. So I, I hate my friends who like trying to give me health advice now. They're like, you heard about Brussels sprouts? I'm like, motherfucker, I've been telling you about Brussels sprouts for five years. Now all of a sudden quarantine, you telling me about vegetables and how they do yoga. I do yoga for an hour in the morning. I'm like, get the hell out of my soul. I don't want to hear this. <laughs> so it's like two sides of the coin or whatever. <laughs> but yeah. That's how come it fell apart for you in quarantine? How come because you just didn't double down, like I, shredded up six pack kind of a thing? Man, see, yeah, you did your research. So I was, uh, I got into the fitness industry. I went from being in the gym all the time to like, I got in shape to the point uh, that, you know, they were like, you want to teach classes and, you know, all of that. But I'm a, you know, ex military uh, person. So I'm big. Mm -hmm. I create systems, right? So like, I, uh, I get into routines easily. And even if they're not given to me, that was the hardest thing first getting out of the military, create my own without somebody telling me. So I created my own systems. And what quarantine did was it shut down so many things that I was dependent upon. And you don't know it until you know it. Like, I was like, why am I paying so much to go to a gym? I see why I pay so much money to go to the gym because, you know, it was a routine. All of a sudden people are like, oh, you can work out in your, your living room yeah, or just whatever. Body. Just use your body weight. Jumping jacks yeah. and burpees. Go uh, at it. Yeah, let me tell you something. Fuck that. It's not. <laughs> people who already did that, that's great. You know, it's calisthenics or whatever. But people who were used to going to a gym, you know, like I have a gym, sauna, pool, you know, a luxurious gym or whatever. And so it just, you know, going from that to the couch right right on the floor it just it just didn't work for me and i couldn't make that switch and i thought it was gonna be two weeks yeah right so, well, everybody did right right and it, it went from two weeks to eight months later it's like oh my god i've been eating you know i went from plant-based to eating chick-fil-a and popeyes like i was like the trifecta of unhealthy because oh, i was like for two weeks who cares you know i'll bounce back you know it's, it's nothing but then bad habits man you know how it goes so you went plant-based but weren't really committed you were just like kind of like it was it was tinder plant-based tinder diet <laughs> no i was i was committed <laughs> but one thing i am i'm the type of person i try to make sense of what i'm doing so once they told me i was gonna be in the apartment and i took it seriously at first i did when the news first brought, i was like i was setting up uh private workouts and all of that clients and then you know my mom got on the phone with me she's like you know take this serious like you know don't don't be the person that regrets later so i was like okay you know whatever oh, two weeks so i was like why do i want to be on the couch with a six-pack like who cares you know uh, and so because it's not for you <laughs> right it just didn't make sense anymore i was just like i'm not active you know i, I played a lot of basketball doing drills and all that stuff so i was like i'm not doing all that 
So why am I eating healthy? You know, like it just I was I'm gonna enjoy this. If I'm gonna be in the house all day, at least I'm gonna enjoy it. But I think that's that how everyone started. Oh, I'm sorry, um, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I think that's how everyone kind of took it as they were like, "Oh, dude, a fucking two week siesta where I get to like treat it like I'm on a cruise." Yes. And this this is yes. my yes. Right. Everyone this is my cruise ship. On a cruise, but yeah, no, nah, that that shit hit the the iceberg. It it, <laughs> it was the Titanic. We it was a cruise. We just didn't know it was the Titanic, like. But uh, you know, hopefully, I kick Jack and Rose's ass off the off the wooden plank, and I survive. But I'm making a recovery. But it's a it's a process, man. It it, it takes forever to get in shape. But it, it's a uh, it's it's quick to fall off. Like, dude, I, from what crazy. I've read, I heard literally within a week, if you stop working out the way you have, you lose uh, muscle tone and muscle memory for like the definition of the workouts. That alone, science is against us. Like science <laughs> is against the existence of us. Like it's it's crazy. There's so many things pushing against uh, uh, improvement. Uh, it's just crazy. I don't know. Dude, I actually look at the other way. I look at a sign screaming like, you you were not fucking made to sit on a couch and binge. Get up, bitch. Like, right? Like, your body to remain that way. You got to keep that. Yeah, we got legs. We got legs for a reason. Like, uh, I I agree. You know, being active. And and that's what I, you know, I was, you know, I was just so active and all of that. And uh, I constructed a very healthy lifestyle. It's just when everything shuts down, it shuts down. You know what I mean? Like, you know, there was a time where people were afraid they were building, you know, fallout shelters. The Cold War, they were about new. I mean, as much as we're built to be active, if that shit happens, you're going to get fat in the fallout shelter. You'll be mm-hmm. alive, but what is your quality of life? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that's, that's how I kind of felt uh, hardcore quarantine. And in New York, it was hardcore quarantine. Like, yeah. it wasn't no kind of quarantine. Like, Florida and Texas, I don't know what the fuck kind of COVID they had. They had COVID with Lyme. COVID light. Like we had, they had the 90 yeah. cow. They had 90 COVID cow. <laughs> <laughs> we had hardcore COVID raw and just real. Well, but yeah. Dude, it was – um. so, again, down in Delaware, we got shut down as well, but grocery stores were still open. It's way more country. Like, I got a car. I can go for a drive for 45 minutes, go out. I have a yard, you know, like I could still go for jogs on country roads. I could find pull, I could find trees to do pull-ups on. I could, that like, you could still kind of get out there and see people and remember like, oh, this is living. I'm I'm not going to die as soon as I take a mask off when I get into my car. I'll I'll be fine. Yeah. I couldn't imagine in a city with the density, just going up. Like if I, if there was no, like, what do people do with elevators? How many people who never walked up 7, 10, 12 flights of stairs were like, I'm never getting an elevator again? Man, when they, when it first hit, you know, New York was a ghost town. A lot of people left. Like, people who could, they, you know, they left or whatever. Yeah. But uh, it's it attacked the heart of the way we live. You know, it, it we on the subway. I mean, it's a metal tube. You know, yeah. you want to talk about recycled air, yeah. you know, if you hardcore going places, which is an active lifestyle, you're on that subway a lot, you know, and honestly, you're like, oh, I'm using the subway. I'm not, you know, putting carbon emissions into the, you know, the earth because I'm not driving. All of a sudden, people out in the country with the cars and stuff, they had the luxurious life. Yeah. Forget big city. You know, you wanted to be out in the outskirts 
with uh, Fresh Air and, and whatnot. <laughs> and actually, eventually, I ended up going to Dallas December of 2020, but I went, I know what was that, February of 2020 all the way to December. I was smack dab in the middle of the city, and it was it was rough, man. It was depressing, I'm not even going to lie. And I did the most unhealthiest quarantine. Like, I wasn't trying to uh, be... I didn't, you know, it was the opposite for me. I was like, I'm letting myself go. Versus some people, they like I said, they built themselves yeah, up. Like they they literally down. like, I know, I know Jesus now. I'm like, you know Jesus? What kind of quarantine you going through? I was so Speaks jealous. I was like, I can't stand this shit. It's because <laughs> it's because they went organic, plant based, and got to that next level of nirvana. See, you were just kind of cheap, plant based. No, hey man, you saw the photos. I was, <laughs> I was a machine. It was, it was scary. I was able to do shit. That I never, I was like, I, I swear I made a spoon float. Like you seen that uh, <laughs> scene in the Matrix when the ball head kid. I was like, that's that's what I did Wednesday. That was my Wednesday when I was on uh, plant based. But uh, no, nah, I, I lost that shit. It, it went away. It that's was a, it's funny, but I I'm building back. Were you just? Do you think just somewhere, some level in your mind, you were just ready for a break? Like it's too hard to live that way. Um. Looking now, I wish I would have stayed consistent with my, you know, my regimen or whatever. Or at least the but, diet, right? Um, or was it I'm, like that hard to shop? Was it that hard to get out and just get the quality food? No, it's mental with me. Like if I'm into something, I'm into it. You know, like once the coin, once I found out what was shutting down, I just like, well, fuck this. Like, what? <laughs> what's the point? You know, a lot of the stuff I was doing was preparation for the stage and i'm extreme like i'm like okay if i'm gonna be on stage in front of people i'm gonna look my best i took that shit serious so i was like all right why not have an eight pack like you know i know some comedians go for the whole self-deprecation i'm gonna be chubby not me i was like fuck that i'm about to look better than all you motherfuckers and y'all gonna laugh at my jokes because i'm clever it ain't gonna be no haha look at him or whatever but quarantine i'll put it like this that life isn't living you know it, it I'm, I'm i hope it never happens again or whatever but what i'm saying is there is no for me it was no functioning at a high uh level or vibration during quarantine it was about getting through you know like i and i bring up the analogy of a fallout shelter yeah you could be doing sit-ups and push-ups and say when i come out this fallout shelter i'm gonna look like i did a big and come out with my chest swollen. Yeah, no. I'm, I'm, most people going to come out looking fucked up. Like, oh, the sun, like, you know. And that's how I came out of it. And I don't regret it because it was, it was the emotions of the time. I was, yeah. you know, depressed. A lot of video games and, and whatever. And, I, you know, it's the, it's the, I took that choice and I made it. Like, I didn't kind of, you know, like, one week work out, the next two don't. Right. I was, no, fuck it. You yeah. know, it was, it was bad. Well, and it'll make you appreciate when you get back there, right? Like, you got to lose something exactly. to appreciate it. The um, journey, yeah. Talk to me about just self-grooming. Because me, dude, I had not gone. I'm actually ex-military, but I don't claim it again, just like I don't claim New York, because um, I was National Guard. <laughs> so I don't know if you can claim. I was a cook in the National Guard, so I don't know if I get to claim I was ex-military, um, but I did but serve get, in some do you, capacity. Do you get to go to the VA? If, if I wanted to drive. It's been like 50 minutes away. But yeah. All right. Well, you 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 military. No, it, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be nice. Like there was a time where I would like clown National Guard or whatever. Should. But 
this is the thing, and just to be fair, this is the thing people don't know about the National Guard. During the like from 2002 to 2000, oh, it was the shit. Dudes yo, were yo, getting rich. Them motherfuckers, but them motherfuckers was deploying Security. like great. I'm talking rapid. Yeah, deploy like a lot of people would see the movies and they think like. I mean, of course, special forces. That's another level. Yeah, like they're seals. But I'm, I'm talking like, dude, he was just that Jiffy Lube. He was just that Jiffy Lube changing oil, and now he's protecting a perimeter. (laughs) Yes, like people don't get National Guard. They a lot of people, you know, go. I'll help supplement my income, pay for college. When that 9/11 shit hit, I don't know who signed off on this, but people who weren't everyday 24/7 soldiers, they was over there. So uh, a lot of the uh, a lot of the pride and esteem, and probably before that, but my time, the National Guard, and I joined in 2012, so it was after all of that shit. But just to give props to the National Guard, it ain't always it ain't a sweet deal like a lot of people think. They think like oh, I'm gonna be a weekend once a month drill. Man, when I was overseas, it was it was na- it was a lot of National Guard. You know, it was, it was a lot of whatever, but. Uh, as far as the the grooming, what do you mean, like like well, taking? So, care? Yeah, well, like so you got a little bit of a beard. I don't know if you always keep your hair short. I'm not talking about like deodorant and showering or manscaping, but you could get into manscaping yeah. if you want. But like me, I like I, I literally didn't get my hair cut for a year, and I had never done it before. And I was just like, "Fuck it, man, let's see what happens." And maybe I could get that really good trunk cover the bald spot because I got that one little. <laughs> Could be not like Mano Ginobili bald spot, but somewhat of a bald spot. And I was like, I wonder what would happen. And it looked terrible. I'm like, dude, you can't be 40 and trying to look like you're a little surfer boy with young man hair. But what I did was, dude, we came out of quarantine. I'm like, I'm going to hold on to it just for two extra weeks. (laughs) Just to to see. As far as as the the bald spot thing goes, if if you could pull it off, I tell people – it's better to just let it go than to hold on. Holding yeah. on looks worse than letting it go. Like, I, I, you know, but some people, I, I feel for them. Their heads, like, it's like a concave and, and shapes and geometry I never mastered or whatever. But uh, as far as the grooming, no, nah, I didn't I didn't do anything with my beard. I remember it was about a year. I finally went, I have a bearder. Like, when you bald, you got to give titles to what you get. So I have a bearder or whatever. And, uh... <laughs> I remember he was like, he was like, uh, when it, when I came in, I was like, you know, make me whole again. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm, I felt like, like all those movies, like when you come out of the fallout shelter and, you know, you've been hiding from the world. Yeah. And uh, it, it's just, New York always had like a, a, a standoffish kind of, you're a stranger, you know, keep it short, ask me for directions, and that's it type shit, right? When quarantine hit, it was almost like all social interactions are a must-have. Like, you better have to do it or not, you know, keep... So it was weird to interact with someone. Like you you were speaking to people in lines? Um, well, before... COVID, I was a social butterfly for a New Yorker. You know what I'm saying? Oh, okay. I would I would be the guy to spark a conversation every night. But once once this hit, I threw that all out the window because I was just like, some people are gonna feel like you're threatening their health oh, by talking okay. to them for no damn reason. You I know see. what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. as far as going back out to get my beard done, like the whole process of, you know, I was like, should I talk to him? Because usually I, you know, I talk, you're in the barbershop, you talk, you know, yeah. 
it just it threw everything off. And as a comedian, that was my lifeblood. Like a lot, some comedians are, oh, I'm a joke about quarantine. I'm a joke. About, I didn't give a shit. I, I I just can't wait till this is like such in the rearview mirror because it wasn't nurturing for me. Like I wasn't like, oh, I got the greatest COVID jokes. Like I I don't, don't want to go to open mics right now because I don't want to hear about fucking COVID jokes. Like I I just I don't want to hear about quarantine. I, it just I just can't wait till this is over. Like just you know done. It's amazing that it's like that dark of an experience for you. Well, uh, it's just not ideal. You know, what I mean, <laughs> if, you, if you if you think about it, and I, I, I not to make you know when I say ideal, I mean it. Like if it's somebody who's a social butterfly, that's the worst time period. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like if you live off of interacting with people and engaging. Like when you asked me to do this podcast, I was like, hell yeah, I want to talk to somebody. Like Dude, I, I, I enjoyed this. I I you know? I think I, I wish I could have marketed or done it better because I never had when I started this thing up, it was during quarantine. I had the idea pre-quarantine, like January. And um originally I was gonna sit in like um uh mechanic shops, like where people get their oil changed and be like, fuck it, man, you got like 45 minutes. Hey, <laughs> tell me your story, right? I was yeah. going to go to like bars and try to get veterans with hats and buy them a beer and yeah. be like, hey, tell me a story. Right? I was going right. to go to doctor's offices and meet old people at like 11, go to parks. Like had the whole thing right, planned right. out. It's all fucked. So I just started messaging people and they were like, wait, you want to talk to me for a couple hours? Fuck, I haven't seen anybody. Like they were excited. <laughs> I'm just surprised that you're still in that state of mind like over a year later. That's crazy that New York is pent up all that energy like that. Oh no, uh to update, New York is like we take COVID very seriously, but <laughs> you get four or five I feel like this, COVID's gonna be taken as serious as Mother Nature allows. You get four or five warm days, you can hang this shit up. Like it is not <laughs> happening. It could be COVID twenty come out and they like red alert, red alert, every they like, ain't doing shit. Sundresses, brunch. It, you're not bringing us back in. Like, we did it. We did it well. We received our letter grade. And now, I'm telling you, like, I can tell everybody is ready to just wild out this summer. Because they lost, you know, last yeah. summer or whatever. But, uh, no, nah, it, it was real. Like, I, I would never uh, forget this, you know, you know, time period. Because I tell myself, I'm like, once I build myself up, and I'm in a way better space. If you try to do this during quarantine, I mean, hell no, I want to talk to you. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm trying to hold on. Like, I don't want to talk about this. But the reason I can revisit it now is because now I saw myself, okay, make yourself quarantine proof. You know, before I was like ready for normal stuff. Like, oh, okay, winter's coming. Don't gain weight, you know, be yeah. active. I, I mastered that. Or whatever. And like, you know, when the sun goes down at like two in the afternoon and shit, yeah, like yeah. I had to figure out how to, you know, stay uh, motivated during then, and, you know, it's vitamin D deficiency or whatever. But <laughs> quarantine was like a whole, it was like, it's like, oh, you think that's a challenge? Like, it's like the boss level. It was Alaska. Was fighting game. Like, like when you um, get, it's like Alaska, when you get six months of darkness. Bam. Yeah. That's what, that's what quarantine was like. It was like the Siberia. <laughs> yeah, it's like the championship of uh, depression. Like you gonna have to be. So now I'm like, all right, I'm gonna make myself quarantine proof. So I'm like redeveloping systems just in case shit goes left. You know, this is what to do or whatever, and this is the mindset to have. Yeah, it's funny, man. How people the resiliency 
like everybody wants kids to be tough, but they don't want them to go through hard things. Right. And like, you don't get that strength unless you go through something. And that, that's kind yeah. of a cool place to be at, to have that kind of confidence to be like, fuck it, man. I could, I, I, could you deal with actually not? Could you deal with it? Like, would you figure out different ways to remain connected now if they did it? Or would you I, go out there I and get tr- shot? That's a great question. I try to tell myself all the time, learn from other people's mistakes. I never want to be the guy like, oh, that's why you shouldn't do crack. Like, I want to listen to other people's stories and be like, all right, fuck that. I'm not doing it based off of uh, their testimony or whatever. But the thing about quarantine, it, uh, it, it, it was like this. It's like, you can, I thought, I was so disciplined, like, for, and this is like 11 months of discipline. This ain't like just a couple of days. Like I was on my shit. So quarantine showed me that uh, the systems can always be improved. And also the world is dependent upon things up and being up and running. There is, there is no, what I'm saying is that this stayed like for five years. I mean, the death rate, forget just the COVID. I'm talking about depression. You know, depression been killing motherfuckers for forever you know and the uh, whole thing about going through stuff it's like this it's relative to who's feeling it like someone who's like oh i didn't get into harvard you know they got straight days out of their life and they're sad they didn't go to harvard versus someone who's like and this this gonna sound crazy but I've, i've like narrowed this down in my mind that this is true someone who's like i'm starving and like i'm a child soldier and i have to kill for my food both of them feel those things. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you hook them up to a machine, there's not going to be a machine that goes, oh, well, that motherfucker, he's only not getting into Harvard. This other one yeah. is starving. No, both of them feel disappointment, and disappointment is disappointment. It doesn't matter what comes of it. You have a chemical reaction to that. And so when people talk about it's like, I've been through stuff. It's nothing quite like this, but life is just like that it's going to be challenges i just hope they're not all like quarantine level to the point where everyone's going through it. so there's nowhere to turn to you know what i'm saying it's like it just it just shut shut everything down or whatever but it's you know it's it's, it's like that or whatever but yeah no that's I, you know i hadn't thought that's a great analogy like disappointment is an eight but it doesn't, nobody really knows what caused the eight of a disappointment. We just know it hits me at an eight. I think of that pain scale when you go to the hospital, you know, and they got like the little emojis or whatever. And like somebody could stub a toe and feel that way. Somebody could be given birth and feel that way. And you're like, it, yeah, the birth is way more important. It's way more vital. It's way more painful. But is it not to that person? And you got to understand where they're coming from. People say all the time, and I pray I never figure this to find this out. But they say passing the kidney stone yeah, is that. comparable to, you know, giving birth. I don't want to. Have you, you seen know, a kidney stone? They're so fucking small. I, it's hard for me to wrap my mind is, around. You know, the body's so intricate. That's yeah. what, my, <laughs> my point. I want to take people word for it. but you know, I, I want to call bullshit, point. but then I'm scared that if I call bullshit, no. I'm going to experience it. <laughs> I take that word for it. If for a man to look at a woman and go, I know, I know what you felt, because I—that's crazy to me to use yeah. that, because you know, women—they, you know, definitely talk about the uh, the the pain that comes along with you know childbirth and stuff like that. But yeah, no, I firmly believe, and I don't judge people. I just ask them, how do you feel? Because how you feel isn't necessarily connected to reality. 
yeah. you know, people feel all kind of shit. People yeah. gonna feel some way if they listen to me talk about a child soldier being hungry versus someone not getting the harvest. But my whole point is, it's psychological. Like, yeah, yeah. you cannot tell that person that that's not the worst moment in their life if they feel that. You gotta acknowledge it. So, and so, dude, that yeah. like that, that almost goes back to what we kind of started talking about with comedians. I almost take it as like philosophers, and like that's a really valid perspective, right? And it's like if you put that in a paper and studied it and gave like the child soldier a survey, gave the Harvard dude a survey and it was 48 questions and it was some sort of scale and you had a bell curve on it. You prove that like you're getting published. <laughs> you're having some sort of breakthrough, right? Like you're being put up in journals, but then if you just kind of say it and you're like playing around trying to joke about it or make some sort of point with it, people are like, you're so insensitive. Why would you even think that right. or compare that? But the reason I love the vehicle of comedy is more people listen to a comedian than they would a, a doctor of anything. Oh, hell yeah. You know, if Dave Chappelle gave the the COVID guidelines, I think a whole lot more people would have followed them if it was Dr. Fauci. The minute it's Dr. Fauci, you know, people yeah. would say Trump himself would have, wait, Dave said that? Yeah. Maybe I need to put a mask on. Because it's just the way Dave is a comedian. You listen to a comedian. Trump, Trump would have just, instead you know, of Trump tweeting, he'd have turned into the retweeter. Like he wouldn't even yeah, have to put his own spin on it. He just I don't been... know. I don't know what the fuck y'all got going on out there. Y'all better put a mask on. Dave, <laughs> Dave just said, but no, but people, I mean, throughout, I, if, if, if I looked at, you know, each generation, I mean, I guess during the time of Kings, they would call in the jester and, right. you know, maybe behead his ass if he wasn't funny. But most of the time through, you know, modern life, comedians are able to say things and get messages across. And it's not about, you know, taking it serious. Truth is truth. You know, yeah. whether you're laughing at it or, you know, I just, I think it's boring though. Like I say this all the time. C-SPAN, the most important shit. Like, while we talking right now, something on C-SPAN is the, the deciding what's going to happen to us five months from now, yeah. right? But it's the most boring shit I've ever seen in my life. It, like, you can't make it past five minutes. If you do, it's because someone bet you to make it to six minutes. Like, But what's crazy <laughs> is I'm like, okay, what's the disconnect? Why is the most important shit so And I'm like, somebody somewhere is doing that on purpose. Like, hmm. it doesn't have to, because if you ever had an amazing teacher, no matter the subject, and usually it's your worst subject, and it's an amazing teacher, and they have an impact on your life, what did everyone say? They made it engaging. Yeah. They made it exciting. Energy and, and what engagement. what do comedians do? Comedians take topics that could be off limits or whatever, and they make it engaging, make it exciting. And I'm like, it's somebody somewhere purposely making shit boring, so we don't know about it, you That's know? It sounds like fucking lawyers, right? Like lawyers take three pages to say some shit like, you owe me $10. And like, right, I, right. why, they, why, they, why? <laughs> they do that when they want to confuse you. But when a lawyer wants to get someone off for something, yeah. all of a sudden they make the shit most, the most simplistic, no doubt. lamest terms. They don't try to confuse you. Like uh, one of the famous on Johnny Cochran, he said, if the glove doesn't fit, you must have quit. Right. That shit a comedians do. He, he spit a rhyme. That man literally Jay-Z the whole court. Like, he said a rhyme. And to this day, people quote it. And it was like, well, that's simple. The glove doesn't. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it, it it's just like, I, but, but the whole C-SPAN thing, I'm trying to, 
Uh-huh. No, no, I'm just thinking like lawyers, I think they're so disremoved because they typically make so much money. They forget like what an average juror's attention span, reading level, intellectual no, they, engagement is. Yeah, no, they, they, but they count. I mean, if you cross section politics, court, legal, no, they, yeah, they definitely bank on people, uh, attention spans not being able to, to stay right there. And uh, the mental fatigue. Yeah, man. but uh, yeah, no. A lot of things though are simple though. It's yes. it's it's some things that are complex. But I believe if you really study something, you can find the most simple way to say it, so people can understand it. I don't think understanding is complex. No. I think people make it complex for you know ulterior motives. Back to the C-SPAN. There's no reason C-SPAN <laughs> should be that fucking boring. I'm sorry if, if there's anything to come of this podcast. It's, stop making C-SPAN so goddamn boring. There is Did something you? going on, and I don't know why they why they do that. Like it's crazy. <laughs> learning, learning doesn't have to be boring. Like I swear to God, it's, it's crazy the way the way they do stuff to just make people hate it. They just make it. They make them hate it. Did you watch the Marvel game between the Pelicans and the um, Warriors with uh, Curry and Zion? Definitely did. Yeah, right. So I was I was interested to see how they presented it. Hundred percent, right? So like even something yeah. simple as they shoot a three and it's like NBA jam when the ball is on fire and you got the trail and then a little thing. Imagine if they did that every time someone on C SPAN made some sort of point or passed some sort of law, right? And like the scales of justice could kind of tip in some way, and then maybe like if someone debated really well, she pulls out the knife and like Mortal Kombat style, like finish him and the dude's head explodes what you're talking about is what the internet does like they'll take the it was a a moment uh it was uh some you know a politician and oh i think it was the uh who's the white house correspondence i I think she's a a black lady now but i remember she came in and she was like you know good afternoon and and the reporters you know just in their regular zone didn't say anything and she was like i said good afternoon (laughs) and the internet went crazy like they were just like auntie said good afternoon (laughs) like and that's what the internet does the internet will take uh what mike pence and kamala harris like kamala harris said something to mike pence that was like saucy or whatever the internet took it made memes about it uh uh, what's his name? What's his name? Uh, the one who promised free everything all the time. The oh, politician. He Bernie, ran for president. Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders. He was sitting there with his, you know, coat in the. Oh, dude, that was great. The, the meme went crazy. So we already, as a generation, we do that. We take certain things and you need that. You know, like I think you kids have need that. To. And the hope is someone goes, okay, what was he sitting at? Oh, the inauguration. Okay, what is the inauguration? But that's just how my mind works because yeah. I want to be intelligent about talking about stuff. So I'm like, okay, what is the inauguration? The presidential inauguration. Okay, how long has that existed? You know, do a little research. Yeah. And it's not all sexy. I'm not saying everything should be sexy, but you can present things. C-SPAN shouldn't be that fucking insanely boring. Not if it matters. Not if it matters. I mean, that's a, that's a not, not if it matters. They do that on purpose, man. Dude, I'm They don't want us to know. I want to find out a little more about... You said you kind of started being a little more serious in comedy. You gave a two-year range, which I find interesting. You said I started 2009, 2011. But then you said you joined the military 2012. Right. So can you take me to the starting point and like what's going on? And and how you wind up putting your life on the line for some private pay? Because that's not much money. (laughs) 
<laughs> right, right, right. No, so the thing the thing about me is uh, my father when I you know when I told him like you know I want to be an artist and you know you know it's my dream and everything like that acting and all that. I remember he sat down with me at the kitchen table and he was like you know and that's just the the, the way uh, society is brought up or whatever. He was like, look, I'll pay you know, for you to go back to college or whatever. Okay. He's like, I'm not paying for you to go, you know, to Atlanta to chase acting and, and all of that stuff. Wow. And so at the time, I didn't have the ability to articulate, you know, okay, why do you see that as a wise investment, but not this? I didn't have all that knowledge that I have now. But what I told, what my dad always taught me, he said, you know, you got to do what you have to do so you can do what you want to do. The military for me was, oh, I can move to a big city. You know, like Uncle Sam's going to put me wherever. But after four years, I'm going to flip that experience and parlay that into going into a big city. Then I'm going to be the comedian Gosh, going for man. everything. I was thinking L.A. at the time, but I flipped it into a government job. Uh, but it was only an opening in New York. And New York is the, the hub of, you know, stand up comedians or whatever. I just didn't know from 2016 to 2020. That's it. You better get it. <laughs> you better make it happen. I didn't know what was going to happen in 2020, but uh, no, I'm the type of person I always come up with like a four or five year plan and I'm not, the, I'm not the, you know, sleeping in my car, barely making ends meet. Oh, I believe in my art type person. I'm like, okay, what can I do to make this transition as smooth as possible? But the whole time, I mean, yeah, I'm in the military and shit could get real, real serious as it tends to do when you're in the army. But Everyone knew <laughs> that motherfucker's gonna find a joke some kind of way. Like I stayed who I was or whatever, and you know I went as a grown man, so I wasn't worried about you know them brainwashing me. It actually helped me. It's like all right, be on time for your performances, like prepare, you know, and do research, all that stuff. So it worked out for me. How old were you when you enlisted? Twenty six. Oh, so you were old guy at basics training? Yeah. Dude, no, yeah, I bet you I was, got fucked was, with like crazy by them little eighteen-year-old dudes straight out of like varsity basketball. <laughs> well, that's the that's the thing. Uh, I was always heavy. I got a little out of shape before I went to basic, but I, you know, I was a ball player. I was, you know, an athlete or whatever. So uh, my muscle memory was was there. Like I was I always trained like a D one athlete. Like that was my whole thing. Like no matter what I do, I did those type of drills. So. It wasn't, it wasn't that it's, I was happy. My mentality was different. Like they weren't pouring into an empty cup. You know, I knew who I was. I just need you to teach me how to shoot. Yeah. I don't need you to give me a purpose in life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. some of them motherfucker, like, and there's you no know, knock to them. I will say this. The army is great at giving you a sense of purpose and giving you an identity. If you want it, yeah. you could take on, you know, that shit. And that's, you know, that's great. But I was just like, appreciate the lesson on shooting. That's where it begins and stops. You know, like, I, I'm good. You're not about to turn me into a robot. And uh, I, luckily, I had leaders that enjoyed that aspect of me instead of trying to, you know, some, some people try to snuff it out of you. Like, how dare you think for yourself or whatever. Well, dude, so, I bet you it was – I hadn't thought about this till I got older where, like, those drill sergeants – I know ours. I think I enlisted, I might have been 19, but I just remember a shit ton of 18 to 20 year olds looking for money, looking for a way up, looking to like level up their life. And then there was this one dude, I think he was like 32. He created like his own chessboard made of like the military pieces. So like the privates were pawns, you know, and the master sergeants, the king and all that. And the drill sergeants loved him. He never caught shit, never got extra duties. 
and we used to hate on them for it. But now when you think right. about it, it's like, dude, those drill sergeants are just about business and they're probably so thankful that they got somebody that they don't have to teach some basic functional things to that like you can kind of rely on a maturity of a post 25 year old. Oh, it's if the, yeah, absolutely. Like it's two sides to look at it. You, but the, and the reason they say it, basic training is not long enough. If it was, if it was yeah. longer, you know, the 18 year olds, not that they don't do well, but I mean, it is a lot of, a lot of growing up to do and it's some yeah but like nine I, weeks is i mean think about it are you really oh, going to turn gonna into change. a warrior That's, in 63 days and with the processing and all you're that not, stuff not, they the drill sergeants will constantly say whoever came up with that time frame and it's because you, you gotta you know you gotta keep it moving and you know so it's a machine or whatever but if they could if they could really do it it would be a year if they if they had the time it would be because you could change for a year you could change really really bad behavior in a year or whatever, but as far as uh, being eighteen, I'm so glad I didn't join. Well, oh my god, like I would not. I don't. I don't know what I would be like. I mean, I came from a strong household or whatever, but I don't. I'm glad I didn't run into the type of people I ran into, trying to figure out, you know, who I was or what have you. You know, that's one thing I'm glad I I waited. Cause I was in college for a while or what have you, and uh, yeah. What did you do in the? What was your MOS? I was a uh, human resources. Stop. Yeah, man. 40, 40, 42 alpha. That's that's my gamer tag. Like forty two, Mister Forty Two Alpha. Like I'm not gonna lie. When I joined the army, I was just like, "What's the least amount of bullets? <laughs> yeah, right. That I can catch. You know what I'm saying? Like I was not trying to be GI Joe. And uh, and also, actually, to be honest, I was like, "What is the most transferable?" Job. If I could do it over, it would have been intelligence uh, or uh, G6 uh, IT. But uh, no, human resources. Yeah, I was like, everyone needs human resources. You know, it's a transfer. It's an actual job. Yeah, dude, the Army's all about paperwork. If some the Army doesn't lack, it's paperwork. It's it's ridiculous. Like, they, if we were, like, trying to go digital. But uh, no, my whole goal was learn something from the military and be able to uh, promote yourself in other, you know, avenues in the world and say, I know how to do this function or whatever. And right now I'm trying to get into contract work, which I'm like, you know, right there. I had like an Afghanistan contract and then they're pulling out of Afghanistan. Like everybody, everything's shutting down. So, you know, that's disappointing. But uh, yeah, no, man, 42. So you were going to go to Afghanistan, leave New York? Despite like the comedy, I was, I, was, I was supposed to be going to Afghanistan about a week from uh, Texas. I was supposed to be uh, heading over there doing HR stuff or what have you. But uh, now they're shutting down a lot of stuff. A lot of contracts are being shut down, unfortunately. And for the first time, I was like, man, I need a Republican now. <laughs> I was ready to throw all my social issues away. I'm like, shit. Just for a paycheck. Just for I need this money, man. God damn. Is, how much of a conflict is it for you? Because that's something I don't know if people think about when everyone has these side – like you could be an Uber side hustle and it you can have your day job. But it seems like something serious like that. You go to Afghanistan, I would imagine you're losing out on opportunities to perform, to get in front of people, to get feedback um, with your comedy. So here's my, here's my thing about this. Then this is literally how I how I, I think about things. 
I'm, I'm, it's like, it's like a train for me as far as like when people, I've had moments where people noticed, like a lot of people at once noticed some stuff and it's mainly because of the internet or whatever. And one thing I, I'll say this, regardless, it's to me, I'm all, and this is why I was excited about things before, you know, COVID hit. I was prepared, you know, like if someone came to me, and was like, you, can you perform 10 to 15? Yep. I got it. I have the 15 minutes. I have, you know, I was prepared. It wasn't about uh, being everywhere, you know. And so my thing about, you know, going to Afghanistan, doing contract work, I'm like, it's all about uh, preparation. And then when the when the train shows up, can you get on the train based off your preparation or you're not? It's not about every day being available. Cause that's just not how how life works or whatever. And my my thing is, the more places I go, the more seasoned I become. And I, I don't believe in ageism. And so, and plus, <laughs> I'm a black man. We don't age, so I don't give a fuck. So crack my thing us. is, I'm I'm like, it's not about now. It's about preparation. And that's why before COVID, I was actually prepared. Like someone said man can you can you impress somebody at snl i honestly believe i'm like i got it now no i don't have it right now so i don't i don't care you know i'm like you know trying to get back to like that how do you prepare how do you is is lose it the right wording like how does that go i would think like if if you got that 10 or 15 minute impress someone bit you would just have it like that whatever you recorded or something or it's written down and now okay i just like a freestyle written down or something like that Right. No, what what I have is the, the confidence and the knowledge of how to be sharp. What I don't have is the time stored up of being there, like doing it. You know what uh, I mean? Like, okay. I, see it, I, I was to the point where, okay, let's say the sweet spot is performing three times a week at an open mic. I was performing five to six times at an open mic, eight minutes at a pop. So you do that for six months. If you have like any little talent, it's gonna grow and whatever. So I was sharp. Like it was the first time in my life, my friends they started like talking, and it was just like, "Yo, if it's this day, this day, this day at this time, that motherfucker's there." Like it's like that, and that's what a lot of that's what I love about people that I look up to that have made it. They talk about those moments, like their friends on all the documentaries. They say it. they're like, on a rainy day, sunny day he was in the gym working on his jump shot or he was, and that's how my mentality was. And I was actually doing it. Like I got got all the distractions out of my life or whatever. And to make the long story long, the whole thing about Afghanistan, I don't look at anywhere I go in life as like, Oh, I'm not going to be here. One, because the internet, I mean, shit. Well, shit, dude, if you're in Afghanistan, I would think that'd be like an entertainment desert and you'd be the mirage. You're a tall, cool drink. (laughs) Right? Like, I'm here to satisfy your desires. Come drink from now, me. You know what's funny? That That's that side to it. But also, contract workers get fired for any little thing. Oh. So I'm like, I'm like, nah, no joke's worth it right now. It's all about, I'm like, even if that is a train, I ain't getting on that one. Like, I'm going to stay, stay low. That's interesting. But, uh, that's that's funny because uh, MWR and all that stuff. Like I was hosting all the events when I was in the army. Like I was that soldier. Certain leaders would be like sweating bullets. Like this motherfucker wants to be, and I was like, I'm 
in my mind, I'm famous, just not discovered, you know, and I don't mean fame like everybody look at me, but I'm saying like, I had that confidence and I wasn't shy, like, oh, oh, I'm just a specialist, don't look at me. I was like, I'm a grown, I'm a person, you know, I'm, this is my uniform, I'm not going to disrespect it or what have you, but uh, no, I don't, I don't care. I, I will be in Afghanistan for the next 10 years and my whole thing is, am I taking a step toward what I need to be doing? And my whole thing is financial freedom, like being yeah. financially stable. A lot of artists, you know, I mean, they, it's great stories. They like, oh, I slept in my car for two years and, you know, I went Like you got to suffer. Like the suffering puts you in this like ultra, it's like Jesus when he went to the wilderness and discovers, I forget what he like hallucinated when he was out there for 40 days, when he was tempted. Do you remember the Bible story? Like he catches right. all yeah. the temptations. It was, it was it was forty days, forty nights. But I'm gonna put it like this: people romanticize. I'm not gonna compare everything yeah. to Jesus. Like, thanks, I appreciate him doing that. <laughs> but I don't. <laughs> That's why you're God. You took it for us. <laughs> yeah, like I don't like romanticizing undue hardship, and I think people they'll say, you know, it's. People will focus on, oh, man, he slept in the car for two years. And it's like, no, he slept in the car for two years, but that motherfucker practiced. And that's, yeah. what, I, that's what I take from it. I'm like, okay, so take time to practice your craft. You know, if your distraction is I'm sleeping in a comfortable bed and, you know, I'm, I'm you know, chasing women, whatever. Happens, yeah, that's whatever the reason I can't get up because I'm sleeping in this bed for 12 hours a day. Yeah. Right. Discipline yourself enough to get out the comfortable bed. It doesn't mean you got to sleep in a car. And I'm the type of person, I like being able to walk in the dentist and go, can I get a cleaning? Like, I, I, I listen to some <laughs> of these artists and they be like living at the, like a thread, like hanging on by a thread, like any little catastrophe, which happens to most people in life, minor yeah. catastrophes, they're done. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be. Dude, and that, you know, time is the commodity that I give away. It's 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 a big sacrifice. But my thing is, if it's your time and you're ready, that's more important than being around. Like it's so many people in Hollywood. Them motherfuckers need to go do a contract in Afghanistan right now, and refresh and become financially independent, and then go back to Hollywood. And they go like, man, you look a lot healthier and better. It's like, oh. I don't have any bills. Like, yeah, well, you know, I'd like, assume it allow you to focus, man. Like, cause I, I know, like, if I'm if I'm trying to get something done and I'm distracted, even as just a basic teacher and I'm prepping a lesson, I I, I don't have a concern of shit, man. I got to make sure I get to my second job at three o'clock, so I got to be out of here if I start going down a road of this might engage kids, right? And I would assume trying to come up with a bit, and I'm amazed, like eight minutes at an open mic, like. That seems so short to me. Not no, not, no, not not to be no. insulting, but it like if you just said eight minutes, and you're like, nah, man. When when you're starting off, especially in New York, most most mics, let's say it'd be like five dollars. One, it was free. The <laughs> mic I was going, it was a, it was a Nigerian restaurant, and it it was free, and it had real people at it. And when I say real people, uh, it'd be like this. Like most open mics, this is nothing but comedians. Uh, everybody, they might pay $5 for five minutes or it's three to four minutes if it's free or one drink minimum, three to four minutes. But you're saying jokes to other people who believe their shit is the funniest. They just got to work on it. Uh, so it's not a real audience. Oh, I see. Okay. I, right. I found a mic 
uh, and this is the kind of stuff you don't know until you actually move here and actually see what the scene is like from the bottom. And I, I found a restaurant where it was people just there eating and they let me, you know, practice. And when you say a joke in front of real people, you get that information and be able to process it fast enough. You can, you know, okay, take this part out, make this shorter, make this longer. And then the quicker you can get it ready to go to actual show where your five minutes is an audition five minutes, you have to be funny. You got real people and they're there. They paid to see somebody else, but you're, you're there. And, you know, I was, I was clicking, man. Cause it's like, it's like uh, finding a gym where you can work on your jump shot. You know, it doesn't matter if it's not a 20,000 seater gym you practice. So then when you in the real game, you know, you're ready to go. So, but eight minutes uh, at a time, Open mic, that's way longer. Oh my god, you actually got time to think and you know carry out ideas. Most people they get like three to four minutes, and you don't, you got that one joke you might say gotcha. or whatever, independent of your style. So, yeah, yeah, see, that's something I lack so much understanding towards. Like, and I think of I, I've spoken to a couple directors on the on, on the pod, it's been interesting, and I'm always amazed they'll shoot a scene for four hours with six hours of prep eight hours of editing and they're like, yeah, it was two and a half minutes in the movie. And that blows my mind. The time that gets condensed to actual purchasable product. And I'm kind of right. curious for you to get like eight minutes of stand up. Like what's that process like for you finding information, kind of honing it, editing it, or is it more of like a freestyle thing for you where you kind of just let your mind drift and rift? No, so my process, I'm going to share two things. I'm going to share someone's, like, extremely famous, what they said, and I'm going to share my process. But what I do, <laughs> if I'm if I'm having a, a conversation and I laugh, it all start off with me laughing, and that's, that's the most important part. If I laugh, and most of the time the other person's laughing or whatever, but, like, I'll just jot down, like, uh, you know, uh, whatever little tidbit on my notepad like it's on, on my phone and i'll just put the bare minimum of what was said not the actual word for word Almost but like i'll be like topical sister, uh, like a topical thing the topic and my thing is okay next time i go to an open mic talk about the topic and then i'll try to hit it and like i did in the conversation but it's all about who's there at that moment and prepping it you just so you're it's not like so take take a what's something stupid uh quarantine being like a cruise ship so if that turns into something you don't you're not taking like 20 minutes the night before writing down some sort of story or some sort of like rhythm to tell it you kind of show up you take a couple shots and now you just start like speaking about it kind of remembering right. what the conversation was yeah, it's like that funny family story that y'all tell every time around, you know, Christmas. You say it so much, it becomes its own rhythm. It becomes the parts that you know the family's going to laugh or whatever. So as far as like the, uh, I would never say a quarantine joke, but the COVID yeah. was, it was like a cruise ship. That, the top 10, that's the punchline. So my whole goal is what do I need to say to get to that punchline? And if if, if it's... So, I mean, I've had moments, once you get, like I said, practicing four or five times a week, what happens is I've had moments where I'm in the bathroom before actual show, and I'd be like, man, this is funny. And I'll say it in my head, 
And it's like a rapper, you rap so I was about much, to say. you start talking like no, a I, joke. I, I'm sorry, I wish we weren't on a Zoom, because as soon as you said I was in a bathroom, I was going to be like, were your palms sweaty? Were your knees weak? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. But it's like, you, you start, the rhythm comes, you know, it's just from uh, repetition. You start talking like a joke, and... It's just the confidence and the delivery. I mean, different audiences. The most beautiful thing is thinking of a joke. You 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 imagine how people are gonna react to it. You get on stage. It's over a hundred people, and you say that shit, and they laugh just like you imagine. And I remember I said that to a crowd. I was like, man, I thought about this while I was on the toilet, and I was like, this is the shit, <laughs> and it is the shit, and they. They cracked up. And that was the part I had come up with. The part me saying I came up with this joke on and they laughed and I just was like this. Oh, I'm a bad motherfucker. And it's just a funny, it's a fun feeling to get that confidence. And then you just exercise it. Like you you just don't let it go or whatever. But no, that's the process. It's just conversation. And you just keep it natural. And then you can add some performance performative elements to it you know what i'm saying if you want to get louder or whatever like yeah. that gestures and, facial oh. expressions you talking stuff like that absolutely but the more natural you can keep it you know the better but what i'm not i'm not one of them people like i've seen and i don't know shade to any of the performers that do this some people they try to be so like i've heard people go oh they're funny because they don't try i'm gonna fuck that i'm trying like i'm, <laughs> I'm an energetic i mean yeah i'm not getting on the stage to like what's going on I'm like, I'm glad that's your style. You put me to fucking sleep. Like, if I bring me and my people here, and you come on stage and yeah, yeah, like the bedtime voice, good luck to you. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna yell sometimes. I'm an expression. I express myself. But uh, to 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 end it with my favorite comedian of all time, uh, uh, Chris Rock. He said it took him a year to get a solid 45 minutes. So he said really? practicing. Three to five times, or he said five to seven. Three to five or five to seven times a week. And this is a guy who, of course, is Chris Rock. He can go to professional clubs and be like, I'm going to do 20 minutes tonight. And he's just practicing. He have like a notepad, work through his stuff. But think about that. It's, it's 52 weeks in a year, three to five or five to seven times just to get 45 minutes a year. And, and that's when I didn't mean to be insulting, but I'm yeah. looking, I'm comparing the eight minutes to what people see on like a Netflix special. So I, I listen to a lot of Joe Rogan podcasts and he's a comedian. Right. He goes through basically his process is like, he'll practice shit for two years. He gets high or he sits alone at like two in the morning and writes and like just scribbles and types up things. And then he wants to go try it out and see the reactions and he tweaks Say this a little sooner, say this a little longer, have a draw between this. Oh, insert detail here kind of a thing. And that's such a foreign product. I guess because I've never done it, it's so hard for me to condense it. To be like, dude, should it be like, fuck, a year for 45 minutes of funny? Like that's, that proportionally blows my mind. But you, you gotta, you gotta think if you, if, if you ever seen a comedian and you're like, man, everything out of their mouth was hilarious. Trust me. Is is most of the time most of those jokes are three years old. Most of the time. Yeah, that's and it but what what happens is if you become, you know, hot, you in your process and you live, breathe, eat this shit, which I don't right now or whatever, but uh you start talking like it. And so after a year, you're like you weaned out all of the uh because everything seemed funny to us now. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> and that's that's the hardest part, knowing when to be like, nah, that ain't it. You know what I'm saying? That's not, that's not, because you can get to the point where you're laughing at everything, you know, because it's just your personality. But, and reading the audience, and not just that audience, you got to read audiences, like people, like all different, like someone from Delaware versus someone who literally, I live, breathe, eat Brooklyn, not gentrified yeah. Brooklyn. And I'm like, I got to find out how to tell my truth to that and not change it to the point where it's no longer my joke. Like, I'm trying to, you know, appease there. Fuck that. That's why, fuck that is like the greatest expression for a comedian. The minute I held on to that, I started making all kinds of people laugh. Because it's like, I'm trying to say what I need to say to you, not me figure out how you would say it to you. Like, who gives a fuck? Like, I'm not from where you're from. I don't have your life experiences, but I have me. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Have you, I hadn't thought about that until you said it right there, like everybody thinks they're funny until they're not. Have you ever been like, nah, fuck, that was the audience. This joke is dope. And then like you just keep doubling and tripling down on this thing and you keep trying to like hit it with something? No, so what I said was, every, I said everything's funny to us now. Not people, people, funny people, uh, it's relative. You know, there's some people yeah. that some people think are hilarious. That's just not for me. But they're still, you know, they're funny or whatever. But as far as uh, the audience, I never, you never, and this is a quote from my favorite comedian, you never blame the audience because it don't fucking matter. They could be thinking about if they left the garage open, you know, their baby was acting crazy all day. You never blame the audience. It's your job to entertain. So you have to, you have to step outside of yourself. And I never take it personal. Like, that's the thing. As a comedian, oh, okay. people, what if they don't laugh? Get the fuck out of here. If that's the worst thing that happened to you today, it's just a conversation without laughter. Like, I've been on dates before where I'm like, yo, I'm a comedian, but I don't want you to think just because I'm talking to you, I'm trying to make you laugh. It's a conversation. Like, as I'm talking to you now, there's moments you laugh, and I'm thinking, like, what the fuck is he laughing at? But that's just reaction to how I express myself. It never is. And that's the, the most annoying and funniest part to me. People think comedians are necessarily trying to be funny. It's the reaction to their, like, like as I'm talking about quarantine, when I say that shit hit the iceberg, I'm thinking about all the depression and shit. Yeah. Other people laugh. Oh, that's funny, iceberg. No, nah, motherfucker. Like it was <laughs> dark. Iceberg. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. So as far as blaming the audience, I never take it personally. I've had, I've had some rough, you know, in moments and, and things like that. But I always go, I go, you know, it's not about me. It's not, it's not, a, they don't know me. It's not, it's not like they're like, your mother raised a bad son type shit. Like, you don't know me. <laughs> he was always a boring, dull kid, fucking accountant. <laughs> yeah, Born to like, be an accountant. <laughs> I don't take it hard. People can't take rejection. That's why the gift that comedy, you know, uh, it, rejection, man, once you can take it, it's like, all right, and you, but I don't stay there. You know, it's it's not. I enjoy telling the story. I enjoy talking to people. Like, and that's where it stays. You stay there. Then when you do make them a hundred and ten, hundred and fifty people laugh at one time, it, it, it's all worth it. But I'm still just talking. I'm not. I'm not up here later. I'm not really trying to make y'all laugh. Y'all just happen to be laughing because I found out. That when I really get in my zone and talk about how I feel, that's people's reaction. But I can't help that. So other people, they're like, I've seen other people be expressive. And people are like, man, man, angry as fuck. 
But ever since I was young, you know, younger, when I went off, people laughed, and I was just like, I'm not, I'm not trying to be fucking funny. And it's the most annoying shit. You know I haven't thought about it's that. Like, yeah, right. It's like whatever. So I was like, all right, fuck it. I'm gonna roll with it. I'm a comedian, but I'm really just being honest as hell, you know. So it's a it's a beautiful thing or whatever. I miss it. I, I do. I don't I don't like this news. Like people is like, and I power to them. Man. I love people who transform and don't stop. But people's like, oh, they're performing in the park, doing open mic. Open mics in the park to me are terrifying because I'm like, open mics are the rawest form, most unprepared shit you can think of. Like how we started off, which I don't think you're recording, we just talked about uh, how technology has, you know, improved and then it like switched to glory holes. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> depravity. Like, that's a, just that's sick the depravity. open mic. Right. That's the open mic moment. That that right there. I would a park, you got a kid playing on a jungle gym and you got your little I'm like, no, 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 no. But I, I was watching other comedians. I said, man, I'm glad you know it did. It was like a dude was doing an open mic in a park, a homeless dude was like, shut the fuck up and took his shit right in the middle of their open mic. And I'm like, Seriously. That's some comedy for your ass. Like, damn. Your comedy wiped his ass. Like, your comedy yeah. is the toilet paper. The dude was like, oh, uh, hey, bro, if you want to sign up uh, for this, I ain't signing up for shit. And then he pulled it back to start taking the shit. I said, see, I'm not built for that. There's other sides to my personality. It ain't all comedians. Like, it's like, oh, that comedian beating his ass. Like, I, I'm not trying to fight a shitty booty homeless Flame. dude. Or do, like, have him fling time. shit on you like he's some chimp at a, like a, at a zoo. Like the people that get real close to the monkeys and then all of a sudden it's like, Man. Yeah, it's all fun and games. And that that's that's the thing. And I'm like, certain things need to be certain ways, but uh I, I I'm amazed at the That's actually something I, I was just thinking like certain things need to be certain ways, like is there heckling etiquette? Does it does it focus you? So if you were growing up, like some people thrive on trash talk, it locks them in. They go through yeah. a game and all of a sudden somebody says something to them and they're, oh, I'm going to fucking show this guy. Does yeah. that happen to you with hecklers? Does it distract or is it, eh? Man, that's that's the thing. So uh, I've been to comedy clubs where heckling is like a, as a, is a thing. Uh, but like I said, most, that's like, let's say 2%. That ain't, that ain't, it's just not. You don't, I feel like as a comedian, if you're preparing for a heckler, your ass on you different it. levels. Like, because you're anticipating you're like, you're you, terrible. You, well, you better have your shit down packed. Like, you better have your jokes. Fuck a heckler. You know what I'm saying? Most people, and it's different levels too. I haven't been to that level yet. But like, if you had like a show and people pay for it, most people would be like, yo, shut the fuck up. Like, <laughs> to the heckler, like, you know, and most comedians, they could just you navigate through it, but it's it's the game's not about that, you know. And a lot of people are polite and shit like that. Like you know, you're not gonna. But if you if you do meet a heckler, the whole thing is it's how you want to deal with it. Some comedians, I, I mean, I, I come from that. 
when I first started, I thought everything was like cutthroat competition, fuck everybody up when you get on stage. I learned, you know, you got to be a lot more polite to other comedians, more, you know, uh, congratulate, you know, it, it's a brotherhood, sisterhood. Yeah, it should be like a community, right? Because you guys are pretty vulnerable right. out there. Right, but I thought it was a com- being naive and new. I thought it was a combat sport. Being a I came sports from basketball. Guy. Yeah, right. Being a sports right. guy, I want to be the alpha. I'm taking the shot. And basketball, right. you want to cross everybody up, dunk. And I, I took that approach to comedy, and it, it burned me at first. Thank God I was in like a small. I was in Chattanooga, Tennessee, so it didn't matter. Like the fallout from uh, rubbing people the wrong way in the smallest <laughs> town. Oh, you know. <laughs> Black, black bald in uh, Chattanooga, who gives a fuck? But <laughs> I, uh, I learned a lot of valuable lessons. But as far as like hecklers, you know, it's, it's not going to be like if, if someone is in the audience and they're disruptive, you just, my thing is, I would weave it back into my shit. I'm not, you're not, you're not going to become the show because what the thing is, people, like, some people, like, I remember uh, some comedians, their thing is making fun of people. And I remember this one comedian, he was a professional. He was like, you think you about to be on stage making fun of people for 45 minutes? Good luck. It's just not going to happen. Right. Like, you got to have a show for people. You got to have stories for people. You got to have something to tell because you got to keep people's attention. And if you're not interested enough to do that, if your fallback game is, man, somebody going to interrupt me and I'm going to fuck them up. Yeah, good luck. You know, and so hey. it's the furthest thing from the mind. And actually, the most funny thing to say in the moment is like, yo, no one's here to see you, motherfucker. Like, what? you know, it's hard enough to be on stage. But, I mean, it's hard for some people, but it's just not like that, you know. But I'm I'm still new. Like, I've had moments like that, but it's it's not, the game ain't like that. It's, it's the, the game is, do you have funny shit to say? Right. Period. And it's never going to change. Like, you can have 10 hecklers in the audience. If you ain't got funny shit to say, it's going to be exposed. And the worst thing a heckler can do is be quiet and listen to you. <laughs> be quiet and listen to you. Because then you're just kind of playing yourself. You got shit to say. Gotcha. It's like, okay, you said that funny joke about my shirt. Great job. Now, you still got 43 minutes left, motherfucker. What you going to say? <laughs> If you even to the point where you got an hour uh, special or whatever like that. So it's like, you better come ready. I put any comedian that has put the work in to have 45 minutes of material. And let's say they're doing a 20-minute spot. And somebody heckled them, I feel bad for the heckler. Because that motherfucker is put in work. But most of the time when you see comedians get thrown off by hecklers, just just me talking from my perspective. They've been doing movies, sitcoms, you know they living off of their name versus the work because huh. stand-up is is work it's it's a combat sport in the sense that you got to put in the work you got to really mime your personality like when i say mime you have to go through your stories and fine-tune them shits that uh whole oh i'm the famous guy from the internet oh, i'm about to go on stage and make y'all laugh that shit don't translate and then you get the hecklers usually talk when there's a lull they, uh, you know, right. you never heard of no heckler interrupting a comedian killing it. Yeah, right. If everybody's they, laughing, laughing. you're not hearing them. Yeah, right. Yeah. Everybody clapping, hooting, hitting their people. How, how you gonna hear a heckler over laughing? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, yeah. Dude, so. does it get boring? That's interesting. Like the whole refining a story. So I, again, I'm a teacher. Something I've always avoided in my teaching career. I think I'm almost at 15 years at this point. I've never had some teachers have taught the same subject 
and they have the same lesson plan. They do it four times a day in the schools I've been in. And I was like, a student taught, I was like, hell no. I, I'd be bored out of my mind if I got to read the same three pages, bring up the same points, emphasize the same topics four times a day. But now yeah. I think of someone like you trying to get on an open mic and hone that eight minutes. Does it get boring? How do you keep it fresh if you're kind of like trying to package this eight minute special? Special is probably like the wrong word. There's a... Well, see, the eight minutes is the open mic. The shows vary right. from you know time or whatever. But as far as uh, um, as far as boring, when I first it was a it was a joke I had um, where I said, and this is what I got bored with. I knew everybody's gonna laugh. I knew everybody's gonna laugh. I was just like, uh, it's when I first started off, and it was my first time saying a joke that I knew if I said it, people would laugh. And I was, I said, uh, you know, I grew up with my, you know, I grew up, I'm actually, I'm going to say it, fuck, you said our conversation with my talking in general about jokes. So I was like, you know, I grew up with my grandfather. And when we was on the porch, you know, people would walk by and grandfather, he likes people watch. And I never forget, man, you know, it was a white guy in the neighborhood. He would walk by my grandfather and be like, you know, white people crazy. And I'd be like, granddad, that's, that's politically incorrect. You can't say that. And he was like, shit, white people crazy. And I was like, you know, that's politically correct. You can't say that. But then I started thinking. I said, man, let me analyze this. And it was a show called A Thousand Ways to Die. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I've never seen any black people on A Thousand Ways to Die. It's only white people. And I, I've come to the conclusion, it's so safe for white people to live. Y'all got to come up with dumbass ways to die just so y'all life expectancy becomes low. Yo, I said that shit never failed. Everybody laughed. And my newness in the game, I didn't realize what I had. And this other comedian, I remember I told him, I said, I'm so tired of fucking saying that joke. I said the joke for like two weeks. That was it. And he looked at me. That quick. And you were like over it. Right. I didn't, but see, I didn't know how hard it was to come up with that. I mean, it's not matter of fact, and I, I'm sorry, man, I don't mean to be rude to cut you off, but now like yeah. just the way my mind works, I'm like trying to look at the time and I'm like, that was like 30, 35 seconds. So when you start yeah. trying to piece all these parts together yeah. to get to that 45 minutes or even eight minutes, right. damn, I, I'm starting to, I'm starting to get a better understanding of how you just right. got to rattle those things off and how right, long. Right. Okay. I'm sorry. I was just, no, no, no. But I didn't realize, okay, beginning, middle, end, you know what I'm saying? And I actually have a point to say. That's just the way I talk, and that, that just came about or whatever. But what was happening when I was standing on stage, I didn't appreciate the process of, okay, dress it up some, make this, act this out more, emphasize. Oh, I didn't gosh. get, you know, all the, you know, the science behind it or what have you. And what the comedian at the time, and I, I didn't respect his position at the time, but what he was trying to tell me was, there's a lot more to it than just you making these people laugh. He's like, you got to refine this joke to the point. And I learned this later in life. Like I get it now. Refine this joke to the point where you're not just making these people laugh. You're making a like a arena laugh. You have to, you have to take it there, but you have to really deep dive. What are you really saying? And what do you really believe and find that truth? And you got to do that with all your jokes. You don't have just throw away shit you just saying for no reason. Like put thought behind it or whatever. Like time fillers. But, you trying to get rid of all time. Like there's no point in a time filler. 
Well, yeah, that, but it's almost like everyone has different styles. It's not about time filler for me. It's about, more importantly, is truth. And if you say stuff enough, like, I haven't said that in forever. That's why I'm, I'm like, as I'm saying it to you, I'm like trying to think, what did I say? Where did I go with it? But what I'm saying is, for me, it's about truth. And if I'm saying my truth, I never get bored with saying that. So it doesn't matter okay. if the story, like you said, teaching a lesson. I'm like, if I'm teaching you something and, you know, my analogies are hidden and you're learning, I never get tired of that. If I'm saying something to an audience and they're getting the fact that, holy shit, the life expectancy, so like if they're, they're hidden, you know, and an intelligent person, that never felt uh, somebody come up to me after a show and it'd be somebody who's actually intelligent. And they'd be like, you know, that joke you made actually the history behind it and start engaging in an intellectual conversation about a joke I said. Gotcha. I'm like, bam, there we go. You know, and I never get bored with that. But it's tough to find those nuggets. You're not just going, you know, just spew them out just to spew them out or whatever. How are you gauging engagement? Like, is it just laughter or do you feel like people on their phone? So I, I think of like, I'm teaching a lesson and I see kids on their phone immediately. I'm like, I'm number one, what the fuck are you doing with your phone? Number two, like I must be boring as hell because this kid has looked for alternative. And I'm wondering on stage, how aware of the crowd visually are you compared to like audio? I can hear them laughing. I know they're engaged versus I see them on a phone or they're having conversations with each other. Well, laughter obviously is the most. When people go into a comedy club, they know that's laughter. the climax, right? <laughs> but there's been performances uh, where people have come up to me, man. You know, you you killed that shit, and it wasn't. It wasn't. I feel like this. There's moment. It's called the setup. When you setting someone up, they ain't laughing. Like you telling somebody a good story. They paying attention. And mm -hmm. I judge an audience by, are they, you know, they looking, they engaging. Do I have them in the palm of my hand? And usually the way I talk, you know, I could get long-winded, but when I'm in that arena and I have, I mean, I, I know how to keep people's attention if I'm just talking, talking. But if I know what I'm going to say and I practice it, I'm going to fuck you up. Because I'm going to be able to say shit in between that normally I don't say, but I'm just filling it off of the audience. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, like the, it didn't it matter the story. Like, you know what I'm saying? I, I grew up with my grandfather. He'd be on the porch or whatever. Something, something like you, the way you're sitting. But you're a little soft. You need to work on your posture. But we'd be sitting on the porch. <laughs> like, I'd just be flowing. Gotcha. And the dude would be like, I'm like, yeah, that's right, motherfucker. Sit up straight. Black man talking to you. And I'm just going. And that, that's what they would say, rifting. But it's the energy of the crowd. And I swear, the whole night will go by, but that table will come up to me like, yo, that's so fucking funny. Like, my chiropractor. Talk. And I'm just like, my chiropractor. <laughs> but they're, 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 they're like, he acknowledged me, but I know he couldn't have practiced that. And they like, the story was funny, but it's like he included it. And that's just my style. Like, I just get going. But when I'm in shape like that, as far as verbally, I just, I know what I'm going to say, so I can fuck with everybody. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I'll i literally go right, but I know I'm going left the whole time. And it's just fun. Yeah, talking to you about it now, I miss it so much, because it's a it's an energy in there. And some people, it's intimidating. They're like, oh, I hope they laugh. 
Yeah. I don't go on stage hoping shit. I'm like, y'all must, I, I feel bad for y'all because I've been waiting for this shit. Like, I, I, I'm happy, <laughs> it's like jailhouse you know? fucking. I've been locked up for six months. Man. You've been to feel me. Even before quarantine, when you practice something in a dusty ass restaurant and you know in your heart, you're like, man, if I could just get this shit, because it's hard enough to get to a stage. Because they really protect it. Like, you know, it's, it's it's just the game. But if they give you the green light to actually perform, you're like, man, if I could just get to the main stage. And the main stage is where real performers perform or whatever. Until then, you're doing all these little side gigs and, you know, trying to get time. But once you actually get to the stage and you practicing something in a dusty-ass place, and you like, if I could just get to that fucking stage, I know this shit funny. And then you say it and you nail it. And not nail it in the fact that people laughing. That's just the byproduct of the hard work. I don't give a fuck. I've said jokes and people are like, man, they was dying. You didn't even wait. You just went. And I'm like, motherfucker, I've been saying this shit to a wall, basically. And when you hear that laughter, I remember the first time I had to stop talking. And I remember I was talking to a comedian about this. And I, and I was trying to tell people at open mics because I didn't know. I'm at open mics talking, saying jokes to other comedians, and it's like this snobbish thing. Like, they don't really laugh. But that's just the culture of open mics. They're like, we're comedians too. Like, you know, just say your shit, practice. Maybe it's the competitiveness, like, right? Right. Well, not even that. They were. I didn't know the game. They were like, it's like bench pressing. No one's going to cheer that you're bench pressing. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're okay. here working out with us. Gotcha. But I remember I was saying a joke, and I just... I was like, man, is this funny? And I doubted for a second. I went to a real show where it's like a hundred people. And I said it and I had to stop. Cause them they were fucking laughing. And I it had been such a long time since I said the joke in front of a person. And I was just like, holy shit. I had to remember it. I was like, whoa, it changed the this whole This is impressive. Yeah, I was like, I'm so used to it. <laughs> I'm so used to being in an environment where I'm like, and this is important too, say your shit as if you're in an arena full of people cracking up. You got to say it with feeling. You got to say it because you never know who watching. I was so used to practicing like that. I didn't know what it was like to say it in the audience on your side. The audience like, this shit is funny as fuck. And I'm just like, I paused and I, I, told, I was like, yo, I ain't gonna lie. Y'all laugh so hard at that shit. I forgot what the fuck I was gonna say. And they cracked the fuck up. And I was like, your laugh is distracting as fuck, man. You ain't good. No, it's your titties. That's what's distracting. But I had to rip or whatever. And I just, just, it was fun. But I learned. I was like, okay, you need to practice this shit to the point where you know it. So if they laugh, you don't forget it or yeah. whatever. So, Dude, that's actually, I, I was wondering that. Um, I forget what you said that brought it up in my mind. But I hadn't thought, it's very rare me as a teacher. And it's funny that I'm trying to, well, I don't know if it's funny. But I'm comparing you comedians to teachers as far as just presentation of material i typically yeah. don't get lost right like i got bullet points i got whatever visual cues i got things to keep me on track what happens when you get lost like how do you give me try a sub to get that yeah, wait you, you said you don't get lost right so give me a give me a subject that uh, that you teach english reading okay english so if you say uh you know you, you don't want to start a sentence with but Right. The minute you say that, let's say you got 25 kids in a classroom, they stand on top of their desk and they go, oh, hell yeah, you don't start a sentence with what, motherfucker? Woo! Like, 
that's what it's like when an audience laughs hard as yeah. shit. And forget about the parts you expect them to laugh. They might laugh at a part that you didn't expect. You better have that shit committed to memory, especially if you got to say things a certain type of way because you feel like if I present it this way, I'm going to get the max. I'm going to maximize the story. So that's what it's like as far as, you know, that. But if, if you get lost, um, it's a lack of preparation. You, you got to prepare. Simple, huh? because for me, yeah. because... But that's why I like my style, because I'm talking about a topic. I ain't going to forget a topic. I know how the fuck I feel about quarantine. It, right. <laughs> it's not going to change. I hate motherfuckers who turn their life around. Like, I could talk about that shit now. Can I talk about it to the point where it's concise and I'm hitting my points? Right now, I'm just having a free-form conversation. But if I had to say it again, I would strip it down. But it's like, when you get lost... It's lack of preparation. Most times it's transitions. How do you transition to your next uh, joke? That's a good point. That's a good or whatever. Point. But you gotta you gotta prepare and you gotta remember 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 like committed to memory. If you if this your material, this your shit, you know, you you gotta know it. You know, it's like and it, I mean, I just I don't get lost unless it's I've never gotten lost when I prepared. Because it's something I, it's like theater uh, when they have their lines. I didn't realize it. I used to think, not that it's not impressive, but I used to think it was so impressive for actors yeah, right. to remember their line. Man, I remember I did a play. I did a play and I had three monologues. Longest shit, no interruptions, no conversation. You couldn't pay me to forget that shit. We practiced <laughs> for five fucking months. You couldn't pay me to forget. You could put a gun in my head and say, you better forget this shit, man. You're going to kill me. Because you say it so much. You practice it so much. And I took that, and I was like, let me apply that to to my joke, my stories, or whatever. And, uh, you know, you just, if you get lost to the point where it's like, I don't know what to say, you fucked up. Yeah, You're preparing. Like, you, you cheat. It's, that's unfortunate for that audience. Learn from that. You ain't got shit to say? The fuck? <laughs> that's your job. That's where I was about. Like, you get paid to say shit, right? Like, that's that's the whole point. <laughs> and at this point, you're not getting paid, but you, you're auditioning <laughs> to get paid. Yeah. And you don't know this shit? I can see if you get... I can understand someone who's a millionaire, and they've been killing it for years, and then they have a bad performance in the sense that they forgot. Oh, okay, the success has gotten them. That's a different type of problem. But you're trying to be one of the ones that people go, all right, you're worthless paying here. You talk about talking. You forgot? Oh, you don't want this. Yeah. The fuck you, what are you doing? Yeah, that's it. I mean, it, you know. and it, it's funny, man. You sound so hungry when you speak about it. It, it just it reminds yeah. me of the competitiveness of people just wanting and being willing to grind. It, it, it's, yeah. I, I love being around people like that who are like, man, you don't fucking want it. Like, because that's so. Yeah. To me, and I coach middle school basketball in Delaware. I don't know what that's like compared to like where you grew up playing basketball. But we say it all the time when like a ball is bouncing or like when we're like um trying to like grab somebody. He don't want it. He don't want it. And it right. just like fires kids up where they're like, fuck it. No, he don't want tell. it. And ha. Huh, and then you just hulk them and it's gone. And it's like, he ain't yeah. want it. No, you can tell uh, the difference. You can right? tell the people. And like I said, I'm not that right now, but I what I know where to go and what to what you know habits to have to be that person. 
And it was a beautiful thing. And what I'm talking about is hungry. That type of comedian where people go, oh, that motherfucker just need time. And he's on his way. Raps. You know what I'm saying? Just raps. He, exactly. That's all it is. Like, it's just time, season, or whatever. And that's what I'm excited about. I tasted it. I was like, oh, so this is what it's like to walk in this motherfucker. Like, I got six months. Of, and some people, they're like, I got 10 years of playing. I'm like, you on your way. I can't wait till I can look somebody in the face but I got 10 years Okay. And I don't, I don't, you know, I don't give a fuck how long it takes. My point is, are you preparing, you know, are you taking steps? My focus now is on, you know, financial freedom. Cause after quarantine, I was like, okay, this, <laughs> you, you need to be stable as hell. Cause it was comedians. They lost a lot of money. There's yeah. no performances. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, all oh, this shit is fake. I need to find yeah, you, avenues that don't stop. You yeah. Know? You need money under the doghouse that's buried. That Denzel American Gangster reference. Yep. Um, yeah. No, no, I got you. Oh. I agree. <laughs> cash, baby. Dude, I've always... Um, straight cash, homie. <laughs> straight that, That's one of the... Um, that's when I knew I was old. And I, I actually don't know how old you are. I don't know if I want to ask. But I, um, like I, would, I forget how it came up in class. And I was like, straight cash, homie. And the kids were like, what? I'm like you. How do you not know who Randy Moss? Like that's iconic. Like y'all are spoiled by the internet. We love that clip. Like practice. Like Allen Iverson was viral before viral was a thing, man. Like oh, absolutely. And like it, it's yeah. weird that kids are so inundated with those um, catchphrases or quotes now that it's so hard to have like that that What's moment mean? that lasts. You know that yeah. that goes six, yeah. eight, ten months that you can reference and get a crack up. Yeah, yeah, no, I, uh, no, I, I agree with you. Like, uh, but the, the, I, I mean, I love the internet. The reason I love the internet is it's, I don't love it for stand up. Like, I love the pure art form, and that's the thing. Goes <laughs> back to COVID. It says, but I love the pure form of being before people. Like, like people, uh, like friends and stuff. They're like, I want to see you perform. Send me a video. I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't do this to do some crappy ass video on my There's gotta phone. be no energy, man. Like, dude, again, to go to teaching, it, I've done remote teaching. It's horrible. It the same. It's horrible. It's not the same. There's no and vibe. I'm it's like dating a sex doll. Like, would, like I, I don't know if Elon Musk is gonna make one that's decent enough, but I don't know no. the electrical charge that's gonna get There's me going. There's no artificial intelligence, <laughs> intelligence that will replace. I put it like this. If I don't, I, we're, we're adults. Uh, like my, age friends wise. Say, my friends always say shower sex sucks right <laughs> shower sex sucks I'm gonna put it like this shower sex sucks until you have that shower sex with an artificial intelligence sex doll <laughs> in the shower then you'll realize how non sucky shower sex is like if you have to compare what I'm saying is there's no technology that's gonna replace a real human. You know? Yeah. I don't care. Tony's Tony Stark can invent this shit. It, it's something and, and to bring it back to oh, what no, I'm talking man. about. Dude, there's probably like forced- three million people in Japan right now being like, I'm done. This motherfucker has no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> Ain't that right, R2? <laughs> and like nah, and the bot just like I, strokes like their this. head. If if robots was the way you think people my, would have already my, figured my, it my, out? I'll put it like this. It's not a ju- it's not just about 
exactly what you do to little kids who were trying to like say they're better than you and you got grown man strength you're just like nah let me rise up he, he was shook he was shook up and he, he made she's like get the fuck out of my way i got something to do Dude, so that, that was, play would have been challenged and it would have been 15 minutes of review nowadays i'm so glad it was pre his, well what i'm saying is his his tricep wasn't flexed like he wasn't pushing <laughs> enough Dude, I, I know what a push up. If, if like. you were tipped, have you ever pushed someone in a pool? You gotta, you gotta flex a tricep to put someone who's so on edge he in was a pool. Okay, I'm no, he was right. Question. He was using momentum. Was he off? Was Do he off balance because of the move, or was he off balance because of the push? He was number one. I'm not gonna say he was off balance. He's a professional athlete going toe to toe with Jordan. That man is never off balance. He was anticipating cutting him off going right. And yeah, he changed direction. Yeah, but that's because Jordan cheated him. That's it. So you think? So you think Brian Russell would have been there had the hand not been on the backside? Blocked. Blocked. That's Blocked. that's hilarious. Jordan ends up okay, on so his here's ass. Here's my question. Here's my question. If Jordan, if that was his only two points, I would believe you. But he I know. That ass. <laughs> he was, he was killing him all the game. I'm sorry. It Jordan was next level. Jordan was the, like three dimension chess player. If Byron Russell was a chess player, Jordan was a three level dimension oh. big bang type chess player. He knew he knew. Head. Yeah, dude. He's setting shit up five moves in advance. Like if I go right three times in a row, the fourth time I know he's gonna overplay it. All I gotta do and is just pull back and yeah. The year before he went hard right. And uh, I think off the backboard, but he had game winners where he would go, don't let Jordan go right or whatever. Yeah, so, man. but my mom, but bring it back to what we're talking about. I'm all about the live performances. It's it's just bread and butter. It's a beautiful thing. And I've seen it's in our spirit. Uh, man. People are meant to connect. Exactly. It's something about it. And you don't want to try to replace it now without question. I've seen certain concerts documented and stuff like that. And I'm like, it's cool. But it ain't like being there. Yeah. Immersive yeah, experience. So. It, it, you you want to be immersed in the experience. Um, and that, going back to COVID, like I feel like that's what pisses me off the most is we've lost immersion. We've sought isolation. And it's just so fun as a race to be, human race, to be like, 
immersed with other people experiencing something. Even something right. as simple as like you wind up grabbing a drink in a bar and there's a good game on, there's three minutes left. And oh, all of a sudden man. you just start talking shit to some dude or you start like yes. all of a sudden you're best friends because you both have an interest right. in whatever player. Yeah, yeah, man. It, it, it's something that's just I like, does that happen with dolphins? Like they just watch some stupid ass crabs racing and two <laughs> dolphins go up by each other and they just start conversating and having a good time. Like I feel that's unique to the human spirit. There's something about us that connects us when we're together. And when we're isolated, man, it's uh, I forget the dude who wrote the book, No Man Is an Island, but like it's true, like right. no nobody can be alone and be fulfilled. It's 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 a part of the spirit. We're we're built to built to be connected, and so I uh, no, that's it. That's that's so true because um, they you know they were saying technology is isolating us. People are all on their phone and everything like that. Yeah, we thought that into quarantine. Yeah, then we saw, oh, we weren't as isolated as you know that was the lifeline huh that was the lifeline like could you imagine if people weren't into social media and you had to sit alone exactly that's why i've always said there's pros and cons to all this that's why i don't attack the internet you know and i'm like if if if, which is funny we're using zoom but i swear skype was like the shit dude Um, skype skype is the byron russell of <laughs> Skype yeah. is Byron Russell. Skype, in the analogy. Skype was off balance. Dude, they fucking how did God what, I don't know what dumbass what the fuck happened. But I swear Skype was synonymous with video chat. It wasn't FaceTime, it wasn't yeah, that was no, Skype. dude. It's like Q tip. Q tip is not like they're not called Q tips, they're called ear swabs. Q tip got that corner on lock. Right, I forget. Oh the, wow, I didn't. I didn't. No, yeah, I like it's, it, I didn't learn some. Yeah, it's a brand, right? Yeah. So like, yeah. some people say like, grab me a whatever. Um, but there's a ton of them. Skype was that brand that was synonymous with they were looking at built somebody. For that for what we're what we're doing right now, they were built for this, but they 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 fucked it all up. I bet, Just I don't know. Zoom Zoom is like synonymous. Zoom is the thing. I know Zoom 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 or uh, I haven't done it. Meetup. I think Meetup is a is a thing. Um, I, I I was it, it I was getting kinky when I created an Instagram, so I don't know if I'm going to meet up. <laughs> no, it's like it's like a big video conference thing that people use to have like discussions, yeah. like all kind of stuff. Right, right. But no, technology technology definitely you know helped a lot of people. But I remember I, I was just like I like talking on the phone, but I like talking on the phone in a supplement fashion. Not talking on the phone, and that's the bread and butter. Now, people who are from a distance, yeah. like if you're in another state, absolutely, you know that's that's what we do. But uh, people who live in New York who wanted to like Facetime and stay connected, I like like no, yeah. like I'm not phone friends with you. Like I'm meet up in person, so it just was it just was it just was tough or whatever. But well, I mean, it's a different yeah. dynamic. You almost vibe. It'd be like long distance dating. You just vibe different when you're not around people you're used to being around. Absolutely. But there are certain people who, if I've had shared moments with you and then you're like far away, the phone, I still can, that energy can't transfer, you know, through the phone. Like I never met you, but I'm put it like this. Every conversation don't, it don't flow. Like, you know, some people, uh, I can see this going very left. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't remember all the topics we've covered. But what I'm saying is you can transfer the energy through the phone. You yeah. know, if, if the 
I think it, I, I don't know if it's an actual thing, but the power of intention. If we both intended for this to be a, a fruitful conversation, you know, yeah, our you get locked in, man. You get locked in. Like, like we. That's what I'm saying. And the phone is a, a conduit. Like, you can use it. It's a medium, 100%. whatever. But uh, as far as long distance, the reason I don't knock it is because I've done it. Like, I've seen people who I've had a moment with establish that chemistry and we could keep it going through the phone. What's tough is um, if someone who you never. It, it's an art form talking through the phone. It's not automatic. There are some people I could talk in person to. Amazing. Get on the phone. It's terrible. Don't even talk about texting. Texting, you would think we hate each other or whatever. But if you sit them next to me, we we talk like 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 to the to our ears fall off or what have you. So, but like I, I'm ne- that's why I never attack technology because you never know. I put like it sucked that it became the main attraction. Yeah. Technology is not intended to replace sitting across from someone, but uh, I'm thankful for it. But at the same time, it's, uh, it's like the, both sides. But when the lights come on and it's three thirty, and you just ready, you're gonna take the artificial intelligence home with you, versus going home alone. And that's what technology is. You just admitted it. You will settle for artificial intelligence if you are desperate enough and in the right environment. No, 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 no. That's not. That's not what I said at all. <laughs> I thought I, I could. I, I thought I could skate it by you. <laughs> I told myself. I said, "Do not get on this damn interview shit and just agree with everything. Like, be <laughs> be in the mindset. Like when you started off, you said you were being polite and laughing, and I was like, no, I, you know, you want to develop. You don't want to start off like the fuck. Like, you know what I'm saying? You want to, but I was like." Is there going to be a moment where you have to say, hell no. <laughs> and that's a line. I resist my moment. That's <laughs> my help. No, man. I'm not, I'm not anti-technology, but hell no. I love I, I'm just person. saying, if, if if you want it enough, though, you're pro-technology. If you need it. No, I'm just kidding. I, I won't Supplement. Make <laughs> I think technology. No, technology should be a, I mean, I think quarantine is a great test run. This shit ain't all that. Oh, it's like, the Illuminati. FaceTime. Like, like we're, we're rats, man. We're rats. No, this is why Epstein face, died. No, I'm just kidding. FaceTime, FaceTime ain't all that. Nah. What I'm saying is, it ain't like meeting up. Like, well, let's not get crazy. Here's the big difference. And when you say meeting up, this is how I feel the big difference. One-on-one, it's fine, right? Like, you and I FaceTime yeah. and it's fine. The group yeah. dynamic on a Zoom or virtually, your timing is so fucked up. The audio, people get muted. You can't, like... Get get like the right facial expression that comes across and makes someone give. You can't have like the side conversations that keep Yo, things going. There's so many social dynamics that get missed out on. I'm a, I'm um I I completely agree. But even this interview, if a lot of these topics, if it's something, of, it's just something about sitting across from someone. It's the it's the oldest. It's orating and tr- tr- uh, word of mouth. Uh, it's you know, spoken word. It's the oldest. It's the first form of entertainment. Like, it's, it's there. You didn't have to Dude. do it. You had to dress it up. That's Holy why I love stand up. Dude, so I had a sixth grade boy today come in. And I, this might be too long of a story. If I bore you, tell me to stop and I'll, I'll stop. But it was hilarious. This sixth grade kid comes in today. And for some reason, he starts talking about sharks being apex predators and they're intelligent. I'm like, sharks are intelligent? 
It's like, yeah. I'm like, who's the smartest shark? He's a hammerhead. I'm like, there's no way a hammerhead is the smartest shark. They look like the stupidest. Aren't they always cross-eyed? I'm like, what are you talking about, man? And he looks at me like I'm dumb. And I'm like, if sharks were smart, they'd gang up and rule the world. But they don't work together, so they're not really smart. And for some reason, the dude was like, but that's because their mamas don't love them enough and tell them how to work together. And, he, he was trying to let you... And, but he was like... Pull out a violin. He, you better help that dude, kid, man. He was like... He could be walking down the hallway fucking y'all up. He was like, but with people, we pass on information that allows us to dominate. Sharks don't get information passed on. They got to go on their instincts. And it made me stop. And I'm like, this 11-year-old just taught me something. Like, that's our advantage. The fact that we hear these stories, and that's what made me think about when you talk about it being like the oldest test of time, people conversating. It's almost like our spirit craves connection because we pass on survival techniques for us to keep thriving in the world versus you just get born, you get the DNA, you get these natural instincts, goodbye, now we're competitors for a food source. Right. I don't know, man. It was yeah, just a no. weird conversation to have with an eleven-year-old today, and it, it, it's odd that what you just said brought that back up in my mind. Yeah, no, like uh, I, I, I think um, I don't know. I'm looking at it's like a double-edged sword. Communication, you know, it's 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 the positive and negative. The, the ability to pass on messages and stuff like that. But uh, no, absolutely, absolutely, like mankind is definitely the apex, you know, the, the predator, but, uh, yeah. I don't even know if you got to <laughs> respond to it, right? Like you're not going to shit on an 11 year old's theory, but it was no, like, no, it's, uh, I, I think as far as the intelligence of an animal, animals, are animals, I'm not, I'm not, one, I'm not pro animal. Like that. I'm not one of those people that are running around talking about, the intelligence of a dolphin. My theory is, you know, because humans can cast on it just to address this, because this is what I definitely believe. Like, everyone loves puppies and shit like that. It's because puppies can't vote. The minute puppies have a political uh, agenda and stuff like that, all of a sudden that adorable puppy is like, fuck that democratic puppy. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're they're just pro-shitting on lawns. And it's it's like, wait, that's what's on our ballot? I'm like, the minute someone has an, if puppies start having opinions, they're going to get shot by cops next. Like, it's it's fucking, it's crazy. But they, uh... All puppies or just the black ones? Too soon? I'm telling you. (laughs) No, it's not... I, I, I'm I'm gonna be. Yeah, I was fucked up. Like for all my black people out there, this motherfucker from Delaware said that. Shit. I ain't even. <laughs> well, I mean, no, when you bring the analogy. No, I'm, I'm, I'm analyzing. No, I'm serious. Like the disarming of an animal is that they don't have opinions. So people want to glow about their yeah. intelligence, but I'm I'm pro human in the sense of I think humans are the most fascinating creatures you know, on the planet and the complexity of a human, like what makes them up. But I think people, not that animal, like I'm, you know, I'm not for animal cruelty and all that. But when I hear people go on and on and on about the amazing things of a chimpanzee and shit, I just be looking like, you know, somewhere deep down inside, you got a problem with a group of people. Like, because they can't, because they're appreciating a chimp. Stored up for an animal. I'm like, uh, I'm sorry. If I see a hurting 
I know for a fact if there's a plane full of puppets, it's like that Joker <laughs> shit in Dark Knight when he was like the inmates yeah, versus right. the, and I'm like people cast judgments on other humans. You know, if there's a homeless man next to a dog, people are like, what the fuck is that dog doing out there? They don't care about <laughs> the a... man. And it, I'm serious. They no, do yeah, it. yeah, they that's like, a good point. Feed that damn dog. And the reason they do that is because they like, that man has made decisions. They cast, he's he's made poor decisions. They cast judgment. They don't do it on the animal. You know, they see animals as helpless and needing or whatever. But I don't like animals like that. It's almost like a savior complex. Like like people got that savior complex. They get to be in control of that animal. They get to help that. They get to be the reason and probably helping that. I wonder if it helping that person would be like too much effort or if they don't feel they could help. Yeah. Why do people do that? That's a great point. I had not thought about that. But yeah, man. People people are fucked up. But I kid you not. Anytime I hear somebody go, and I I have a new puppy. I love, you know, my puppy and all that. But I say this, like, my roommate, let's say the world goes to shit. Everything shuts down. Groceries are empty and all of that. And it's just my roommate and I. The refrigerator, it goes empty. As much as I love that little fucking puppy. (laughs) You want to talk about some puppy burgers in this bitch? (laughs) I'm just saying, I put humans over animals, and I, I when I and I, I just I feel like in today's age it has to be said. Like I hear some people they be going on about save the seals, and, and I'm like, right. yeah, cool. But I'm just like, how right. far do we go with this save so, the seal when it's humans dying? All right, man. Well, dude, you've given me two hours. Um, are you working tomorrow? Do you got a job that you got to go to tomorrow? Nah, man. I'm 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 unemployed right now. I'm doing the uh, contract thing. Oh, wait. No. So how did that work with, like, on around here, the resort area, everybody's looking for hires. Nobody can find hires because everyone's saying unemployment with the extra benefits is, like, stopping people from working. And I'm curious, is, yeah, are you in no, that boat where you're getting, like, not, crazy pay? That's not the boat. There, I do. <laughs> some friends the covid relief pay and all of that it was like crazy good for a time period but no man i was like i said i was supposed to be going to afghanistan and you know i i would this if we did do this interview i'd be like listen all you broke motherfuckers out there no (laughs) but uh all i do is speak in money you know but uh currency currency exchange motherfucker no but Nah, it's it's a uh, it's just the game, man. They they shutting down operations in certain theaters, so I'm like, uh, there's certain things matriculating. Contract work is it's it's a lot of background checks and all that stuff, but uh, hopefully this next one lands and then I'm good for at least a year and then it rolls in. But right now, no, I'm just uh, I'm re readjusting to the news that. I mean, when you preparing to go to Afghanistan, you sign an offer letter, and then all of a sudden they're like, "Oh, I'm sorry, you know, we're taking it." That, that was just like a week ago, so you know. Then, how much yeah. prep and preparation goes into going to Afghanistan? Like, are you doing Rosetta Stone? You're like researching <laughs> no, Google Maps. No, no, no. I would have been supporting, you know, U.S. personnel and and people from other countries, but no. When I say going to Afghanistan, that's just where the operations were. It wasn't like I'm not. I'm not going to be one of the people like living. No, it's not like that. You're on the I mean, I, every, every country I go to, I try to, you know, like when I was in Kuwait and Iraq, you know, I definitely learned all about Lebanese food and Iraqi food and all that. Like I try to 
learn about the culture. But as far as prep, blood tests, you got to get all your vaccinations and background checks out the ass, you know. And it, I got stopped in the middle of that process or whatever, which I'm sure a lot of people did because, I mean, when you got a 16-year war, that's a lot of contract gigs. You know what I'm saying? That's a, that's a lot. That's an economy. Yeah, I would say war is a money making machine. It's a lot of money, man. Dude, so there have been things. It's something that um, I haven't researched. Seen a couple documentaries on the whole war on drugs with decriminalization of pot coming about, and hopefully yeah. the country's like adopting this thing and what like felony counts and just seeing how so much money gets poured into not just fighting the war, but then war on drugs, but then keeping people incarcerated or bail bondsmen or lobbyists or lawyers. That's a billion dollar economy right there. Seriously. Like the whole, the whole judicial system. um, Imagine if they didn't have drug charges, like what the fuck would a judge do all day? Right. (laughs) But not, not, that's the wrong question. It's not about a judge being bored. It'd be um, these prisons that they're empty. Oh yeah, for profit prisons. That was something that I do. I had no idea that there were like private prisons where you actually get paid per per inmate. Algae, It's like a landlord. Yeah. With yeah, no, but tax dollars go to you know housing inmates and stuff like that, and it's a business. Yeah, right, it's dude. It's it's terrible. It's like you're yeah, incentivized nah, it's, to it's, have people locked up. No police station goes. You know. What, what, uh, you know, what happens if there's no tickets to be given? And you're gonna, they're gonna meet their quota. Yeah, I put it like that. They're gonna meet their quota. If the speed limit is 50 and everybody going 49, some of the motherfuckers gonna be picked and they're gonna be told they was going 54. Yeah, and it's 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 a money making thing, but they bet on you know there's there's criminals, there's just criminals or whatever, which is true. There are a lot of people doing illegal stuff, but the judicial the judicial system, the way it's set up. It's set up to attack certain communities all for the fact that it's a billion dollar business. You know, you you throw my black ass through the system. It has nothing to do with innocent or guilty. The process of proving innocence helps to stimulate that billion dollar industry. Comes out of cost. Yeah, man. Yeah, you want to get out on bail? That's money. Yeah. It has nothing to do with your innocence. Innocent or guilty. You paying bail. Thanks. You know, so... Yeah. No, nah, it's uh, <laughs> yeah, it's man, it's funny how we uh we're so lighthearted and stupid, and then we got um probably no, we too we hit some shit, and then, yeah, no doubt, right? <laughs> we hit some shit. Oh, um, I wish I had the editing power. No, nothing came from cruel intentions. Take the love, take the love shit. I just want to say, love is love, right? <laughs> Yeah, I want to get that tattooed on my forehead. I'm trying to get to Disney, motherfucker. I'll be talking with my pockets. If this interview resurfaced, this seemed like one of the interviews to resurface. I'll be like, I said love is love. Yeah, but you didn't mean it. you like, Jesus. I mean it. 2044 campaign for Senator. Hey. And you're fucked. Hey. Hey. It come back and bite you, man. It be the stuff you don't think about. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Just come get you. Yeah. I, I deleted my damn Facebook. Oh, did you really? Why Hell that? yeah, man. I had old statuses. I was like, I can't, you know, go through all this. I'm going to delete it just in case. You got to do just in case famous shit. 
Back to my comments. You gotta do just in case. I walk around doing just in case fame shit. Like, let me delete these photos just in case. Just in case I'm I'm it is that funny. And then it'd be the oldest stuff, man. Cause when you grow up on the internet, that's a terrifying thing. Yeah. You know. You got draft picks, <laughs> number one quarterback or whatever. Then they got like a tweet from 2013. Quoting like an Eminem lyric or oh, or yeah. DMX lyric. That was Josh That's Allen, it. right? For the Buffalo Bills, didn't he run into some shit like that? It's, it's happened to a few. It was a dude who won the NCAA uh, tournament. They pulled up his old tweets or whatever. I mean, rightfully so. You say fuck the shit, you say fuck the shit. But what I'm saying is, I couldn't imagine being 20 now. So that means everything from 13 to 20 is well documented, like Permanent high record. definition on accessible by so many people your thoughts you know what i mean and like i said just in case famous shit man kids these days if i could tell a 10 year old anything do just in case famous just in case your ass make it conduct yourself as if you are gonna make it then that way you hey i ain't say none of that wild shit (laughs) i kept all that on remember when we used to say stuff in notes yeah. Notes was passed and cut. None of our notes have resurfaced on the internet. It it's it's they typing it on t- t- uh, Twitter. It's crazy. Imagine screenshots of some of the notes. The shit we used to say about teachers Getting and tagged, no you know g- girls, all kind of stuff. Wow, man! It's just digitized now. All right, so I'll have to lock up maybe like 10 minutes, probably like 25 minutes of the podcast. We'll put that under a – maybe we'll make that an NFT, and we'll try to sell that when you are famous. That'll be some sort of blackmail shit. <laughs> I didn't know where you were going with that. I thought you were being jumped in. like, man, all right, I, I block out like 25 minutes of this shit. Oh, yeah, this motherfucker said, nah, I got your ass. I'm telling you, man, I'm, I'm the type of person – if I if it hits if I hit a low enough low, I'm literally gonna tell people like I got a hit list. Like I'm not just about to go out by myself. Like, down. <laughs> I got a hit. I'm coming out. I'm coming for some of you motherfuckers. I'm finding you in Delaware. <laughs> no, nah, you see me coming from a mile away in that white ass place. You be like, I see you. You can't sneak up on me. I'm like, fuck, dude. Come we are not that country, spot. man. We are not Delaware. Is not that country. Yeah. They'd be like, they be like, the population of blacks just went up a hundred percent. Soon as he paid his toll, soon as I step in, I'm like, nah. You know the crazy last thing I say, craziest thing about Delaware. When I try to, I remember when I was trying to fly in there, I was potentially gonna fly. To, I was like, where's the fucking airport? It was all like Philadelphia. Yeah, we don't that. have an airport, like, man. Well, yeah. I mean, we got one. We got one. Actually, we got two, but they're not commercial. That sounds like, how can we keep black people from coming? Stop. You did, did, did you really take it that way? You couldn't have taken Bro, it that way. I swear to God. Yeah, I know certain cities that don't want public transit to more urban area. Like, they, they fight against the public transit being built up. I swear, someone in Delaware, that's an ingenious idea. They said, don't put a fucking airport here. Dude, we, I think we you, just you hit a never million have people. to worry. None of the rappers are coming here to perform. You don't have to worry about none of that shit. Don't put an airport. That's a, a extreme keep the blacks out. Uh, I'm just kidding. I, I know of a black girl that lives there by accident. It's a <laughs> 
I'm just kidding. It's just Delaware. The, come on now. It's not the black hub of America. Let's not act like nah, that's it's, Atlanta and shit. No, nah, man. So basically got Wilmington, um, which would be our big city. But I think Wilmington's a 100,000 people city. Delaware, I think, has a total of a million people. It, I, our state's population is less than New York City's. I mean, it's just... It's nothing, man. That's, that's we're mostly crazy. country. Mostly country. We do have Don't an HBCU. We got a historic black college. That's pretty dope. Delaware State I, University. I believe it. I believe it. I'm yeah. just, I was being silly, but it just made me laugh when I was like, I, I thought my app was tripping. I was like, why is it Delaware Airport? I never heard of it. I can't, I, what is another place that doesn't have an air? Like, you can't fly to it. I was like, what is this shit? This Rhode Cuba? Island? Like, what is it? Rhode Island? You can't fly to Rhode I'm just, I'm just, I'm just like shaming other states of small sizes. Hey, man. All right. But like, y'all got, hey, quarantine hit. Those places was the hottest places in the world because y'all had the, the got countryside. Space, man. Got space? Comedian, got space, comedian Rob J. I'm going to get you out of here on this. Um, this is how I end the podcast with uh, Noah Spurgeons. You get to tell a story. Actually, do you know how I end the podcast? Did you do your research? No. No, I didn't do I didn't do my research, man. This might be a caught up in Disney moment. Be careful, tread lightly. <laughs> I got a story for days. I think. Good, no, nah, dude, I, I love to hear one. So the whole this whole segment is where you get to tell a story. So can I get your best first for last? We've saved the best first for last. Sponsored by Abstinence. Waiting makes it worthwhile. My best first for last. Okay, the story has to be a best first for last. last or are you thing, saying in general, the last story it, I tell is my best? You can take it any way you want. In my head, it's like <laughs> I love I love hearing first experiences because I think they're very memorable. I talk about when I lost my virginity. There we go. <laughs> it's amazing right, how many so, dudes go there. <laughs> nah, man, here we go. So uh, I lost I lost my virginity when I was twenty six years old. And the reason why, oh, like, shit. I never forget. So I grew up going to like Bible camp and all that stuff. And I was like, you know, I'm gonna wait until I get married. You know, I'm, I'm saving myself for my wife. And then, you know, life goes on. I'm in college. I'm going. I'm doing pretty good. Like, you know, I, I was doing like first, second, third base type shit. But I didn't have. I didn't put my penis in a vagina. All right. So I was going pretty good. But then all of a sudden, I joined the United States Army. Right. And all of a sudden, you know, my friends was like, yo, you you, you going to lose your virginity. And I was like, no, I'm not. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm saving myself for my wife. Can, can I ask I'm you not. at that moment when you're saying you're friends? Is this something you're like publicizing as in like trying to convert yes, people? Yes. This, you're like the pro-virgin like guy. Vacation Bible study type, like, uh, like. I'm a virgin. Like you, you every year you it's like the virgin seance type shit. Like you but you know, you openly talk about it because what was happening is just as much as people openly talked about getting some, our attitude was, okay, we not, you know what I'm saying? Like we're we're, you know, being virgin. So I was on that, you know, okay. so far. So I'm twenty I'm twenty six. Now I'm not twenty six, this guy can't get any. I'm twenty six and it's like, damn, he literally telling people no. Like I told I said no, right? So anyway, I joined the army, and I, I'm taking my friend. I'm like, nothing's gonna change. Like, I'm going to the army, but I'm still gonna be a virgin, like, I, unless I get married. And I was like, I'm not getting married in the army or whatever. Man, I joined. I'm in basic training, 
All of a sudden, the drill sergeant goes, y'all going to the grenade range tonight. So I heard about grenades, seen them in movies, but I had never been around an explosive. So I'm in a concrete tube, and the drill sergeant come up to me, two live grenades in his hand. Boom, puts them on my chest, and he goes, soldier, you make one false move. You do one thing we didn't train you on, boom, your ass is gone. And in that moment was the first time I realized, I said, holy shit. I might die a virgin fucking with this army shit. I said, the minute I get out of basic training, I'm getting some pussy. And the minute I got out of basic training, I met, it was a big ass white woman on the plane from Delaware. Stop. And we Stop. We fucked. You're a liar. Dude, you're a straight up liar. Dude, you made that whole story up. And I put it on her ass. The best 30 seconds of her life. I'm not, you think I'm playing. I do think you're playing, man. You are. Wilmington pussy. The only reason you know Wilmington is because I said that word. Okay. Name one, name, one other, name one other town in Delaware. But you uh, <laughs> Lexington. <laughs> what a goddamn lie. It's only about a million people in Delaware. Oh, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> What a goddamn lie. You corrupted my best first for last. With Why your lies. I know? <laughs> time up. Time up. It's supposed to be a truthful moment. No, okay, one, I'm a comedian. Because, <laughs> first of all, the fact that you're laughing, part of me is like, job well done, motherfucker. You can't tell me. Remember you said, what's, what's the engagement? It's laughter, motherfucker. <laughs> no, but... No, the woman's in part, I'm joking. But everything else I said is true. Like, this is, what the fuck? I can't make that up. Who says they're a virgin to 26? That sounds like a, that sounds like a quarantine story. That's what that sounds like. That's what it does. Oh, depression. Was there guilt, remorse? What happened, like, when you're, uh, like, telling your parents growing up like that? Man, so, when I joined the Army, uh, my, 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 my dad, my, I always said to my, my dad's a pastor, and I said to my dad, I Holy said, Dad, shit. I mean, dude, Dad, do you really want a son that's a, a virgin? Because I've never been married or whatever, so I'm like, you really want a son that's a virgin, Dad? Like, come on. Like, and my dad, you know, I, they had their, I thought I was going to get married at like 21, 22, like my parents did, but society, life is different, you know, it's not happening. But when I confirmed to my mom, like, you know, mom, like, come on now, like, she passed out in the kitchen. She like literally fell on the floor. And I was just like, I was just confused. But how does it come up? You come home, you're like bragging or she's like smelling it on you? No. So, I mean, I was stationed in Kansas. I wasn't by my, by my family or whatever. Okay. But no, I'm the type of person in my family. I, I, you know, I'm the one that say all the wild stuff or, or whatever. Like I'll talk to my, I've always had a really healthy relationship with my parents where I could talk to them about anything. Nothing was off limits. I just didn't talk about sex because I wasn't having it. So the moment, uh, you know, that changed, I just told my mom, I was like, you know, I had sex. I I, I was like, mom. Just cold. Hey, I I called you. I called you to tell you I had sex. Everything changed when I thought I could die. My life expectancy was in jeopardy because... (laughs) Of the army. I, was, I can't fuck with that. Like, I'm sorry. Like, as much as I want to do the right thing, like, I can't, I can't risk dying and never experiencing. And the remorse, I regret, and no no shame to the woman, I regret not fucking some of all the beautiful women I told no to. Like, I told, oh my God, 
I was like, what the fuck? I waited till I was in like desperation to jump into the game, but I made it up for it. But and not <laughs> not not that the woman the woman was very understanding and kind. And I I just if I could do it over again, I would I would definitely at twenty two, like I was saying no and some weird I was one of them people that's like I'm a virgin. It don't matter if you're naked next to me. I was one of those guys. And I was Did like, you try honestly, that out? Like, did you try that out? What do you mean try that out? Like, you literally women, had naked women, women laying with you at 22, and you were women, like, nah. Went women was getting in the shower with me. Women, it was crazy, because I was a virgin. And I, I wasn't, the, like I said, I wasn't a geeky virgin. I was the type of virgin, like, the minute he don't want to not be a virgin, I'm here for him. Or whatever, and it's like uh, I'm not even bragging. That's just uh, <laughs> it's facts. No, I'm not even trying to be funny. <laughs> that's that's the truth. And it was like a very a lot of understanding people, but it became I was a conversationalist, so I was just like, you know, and I was doing other stuff. Like I got hand jobs and shit, but you know, at a certain point, and people started having sex at 15. By the time they 17, hand jobs like the worst. They're like, what? What? What you know, and so, but nah, man, yeah, that's that's. I'm not trying to corrupt your first life. That's a true ass story, you know. How did of course you meet I dressed, what, Did you really meet her on the plane? Like I said, everything I said is fucking true. <laughs> the only thing I added to the end, cause I was like, how can I spice up this punchline? The Wilmington. I she was from Kansas, and she definitely wanted a second time, and I was just like, mm. no. <laughs> No, I'm not trying to be mean. I just came to my sister. No, listen, listen, listen. I'm trying to be understanding because this story hasn't aged well. I'm not trying to be mean, but you don't you don't wake up from a bad decision and go, don't "I'm gonna do it again." I just was like, "I'm gonna do it again," but I'm gonna find someone that I want. And it was tough because when you're in the army, they send you out to the middle of nowhere. Yeah. You're not stationed, you know, at the greatest places. So, uh, uh, and me, not that I'm the greatest looking person. So on both sides, but whatever. A three at an army base is eight. Or, Easy. I'll put it like this: a three in regular life is a nine on the army base. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and you better hope they're not married and all that shit. And that's just real when you in the because the the ratio was like it's like six guys to one to yeah. one female, you know. So some people had a lot of love as love, other people did not. You know, it's it fun pickings. Did you use the virginity line with her as like the way to seal the deal, or did no, it just come see, up in conversation, or she didn't even know she took your cherry? Nah, she was. Uh, she didn't know I had made the decision that the minute I got to my duty station, somebody getting, you know, I don't know who, but somebody's getting all this. Now, when we was on the plane, we just was talking, you know, and she was a bigger woman or older, but I didn't give a fuck. I, I, honestly, I was just like, congratulations, baby. <laughs> Rosie O'Donnell about to get this dick. <laughs> and it was like, it's like a black woman sitting behind me and I just heard him. Like she just was so disappointed. I like look, you know, you could get it too. Whoever wants it, I don't. I put it like this: my mindset was, I ain't got time for this dating shit. I ain't got time for none of that. Like it's business, and we were just having a normal conversation. But it was like 
dripped with innuendos. It was like, it was like, oh, so you filed your taxes? Oh yeah, I'm my type. Yeah, I bet your ass did. But I'm like, we're talking like that. Like it's just like, I don't think that's the IRS. Like somebody about to fuck. Like it was, it was like, it was said without being said. And she was like, you know, you want to come over for some wine? I ain't even drink. So I was just like, yep. Yep, I sure do want to come over. And that's what it was. She gave me a glass of wine. <laughs> now you're going to the vino. <laughs> no, no, no. I made my decision. This was consent. She did not rape me. I consented <laughs> the fuck out of this. I consented on my cot in basic training. I said, oh, 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 oh. I'm about to fuck. <laughs> like, Uncle Sam, you done got uh, somebody getting it. But what's crazy, I didn't have to tell her I was a virgin. Uh, I found out. You know, sex. I was, I was like thirty seconds. Like it was, it was all of the horrors that I had heard, or whatever. And uh, you know, I didn't tell her I was a virgin. It just was, you know, evident. And I didn't want. What, what I'm be honest, I didn't want her to know she was my first. I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> it wasn't that type of party, bro. It wasn't. I didn't want her to have that honor. But I come <laughs> to find out. Come to find out. Uh, there is someone that disputes my 26 because they said, I don't know, man, I can't, I forgot this for public consumption. There's someone who said, I think I was doing one act, but they were like, they lied to me. I had some risky moments. So it's either 22, 26, but psychologically, me saying I want to have sex, that story is true as hell. I, and I, it's, I like it's, how you tightrope right there. <laughs> 22 26 there's some well, risky the reason, like <laughs> well i'll put it like this okay <laughs> no this this young lady she she lied to me like i mean at 22 i was about like a 14 year old i didn't you know the woman's body i didn't i didn't know and i purposely was like that like i, I didn't want to be you know like everybody else or whatever but she uh she swears she was like she lied to me like she's like oh man it, you don't want to get too I, graphic I, you still holding out for Disney bruh it's hard it's hard man Disney gonna be like, you I I think I've already ruined that I, I hope there's a Disney X <laughs> that comes out <laughs> I hope. I hope they start releasing shit like the Incredibles, the behind the scenes. Yeah, right. <laughs> you... I want, I want that version. God, I, I'm sure that's out there on some level. That it um, will, that... it will. Great, pray, please. Comedian Rob J, yeah. I am so sorry. I didn't let you bring me back from the precipice. You tried to save me several times. I just kept throwing myself over. But you are a great guy to die on the hill with. Does the analogy work? I guess I'd be at the bottom of the hill. You'd still be at the top. <laughs> no, man, this is this is way better than I than I. I mean, I thought it was gonna go great, but uh, I'm I'm glad I came with the right intentions, and definitely it's enjoyable, man. Yeah, uh, it, it kind of is just fun shooting the shit, to be honest with you. And it, it's honestly, it's super interesting to me to um just understand perspectives, mindsets, and um laugh at shit, man. Super enjoyable. Uh, do you? So when do you think you'll actually like be performing or being able to perform again? Is there any light at the end of the tunnel? Uh, <laughs> it's like it's, it's all bad out here, man. No, um, 
Nah, there's performances going on now. Like like I said, the comedy clubs are opening again. But just aesthetically, I don't want to be anywhere near the the overback type shit. I just I just the optics of it is corny to me. I'm so glad comedians are able to perform again. Clubs are opening, but my mindset's right now. I'm trying to go overseas or you know get get working. Or whatever, cause ain't nothing funny about being unemployed. That's that's yeah. my joke. That's the only joke I got <laughs> right now. I'm like, you want a joke? Unemployment, motherfucker. You want the punchline? Employment. God damn it! Like it sucks. And I was teaching fitness classes and all that stuff. And COVID shut down the gyms and a lot of stuff I was working on. You know, it just got fucked up. And it's like once that day job is in jeopardy, you gotta you gotta restructure. So. Yeah. Um, it it'll be a little minute, but uh, I gotta find out where I'm gonna be, then find out where the open mics are and whatever. Gotcha. But like I said, I'm always looking for opportunities. Like like when you asked me to do the podcast, I was like, hell yeah, shit, you know, like why, yeah, yeah. Had you done one before? Just tried to do a podcast, shoot the shit conversationally with someone? No, I haven't. Um, like I said, I'm gonna do a podcast, but I've I've, I've done people's, you know you know, podcasts and, and stuff like that. Uh, I love the art form. I definitely am a consumer of podcasts. I love the the ability like we did. Like, you know, you can laugh or you can get serious or you can get frightful that your future budding career is... It's over. I'm, I'm not going to have a job. You got me so shook. <laughs> oh, I think it's funny. You worried about your dead man. You right. <laughs> <laughs> He said it's funny, but you're right. right. I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that instead of a grain of salt. People people vicious these days, man. They don't play. I don't care. I don't let, obviously, I don't let that stop me from talking, but I do try to be mindful of certain pitfalls. But you can be the most careful person in the world and you still can say the most offensive shit to somebody. It'd be like some Eskimos with three toes. Like, how dare you? Like, whoa, I didn't even know. I didn't even know that was a fucking thing. I thought it was only four toes Eskimos. Like, god damn. You know, so it is what it is. (laughs) I loved it, man. I loved, um, I I like the fact that you've been putting out some um, Instagram. I forget what was the Instagram video. I tried to close this like two minutes ago, but whatever. Um, it was like, do you want an ass like Rob J? You got to work for that oh, ass. Oh, the fantastic ass. And yeah. It, yeah, dude. And it seems like you're getting into like a little bit, I don't know what you would classify it as, like internet comedy or TikTok comedy or just posting stupid shit trying to get giggles. Yeah, no, man. The internet, uh, at one point I was, you know, all about internet. And I, I had gone viral a few times or whatever. but. I, I just was like, I went away from it, and I was like, I'm all about the pure form of live performances. Yeah, that's all fine and dandy when shit is up and running or whatever, but nah, I mess, I mess with the internet. I just try to, when I do do stuff on the internet, I try to make it like I'm just talking because I'm like, I want people to get hooked to the way I tell the story, the way I talk right. or whatever. <laughs> and if it's not as impressive, like some people, they be doing like full-on Hollywood productions through TikTok, and I'm like, hey, I salute, like, more power to you. But I'm like, I want people to just, what I do, which is tell stories. If you don't love that, you're not going to fuck with me anyway. Yeah. When you come to a show, it's not going to be 30 seconds, me changing angles and shit, like, you know, that, 
that's what's up. But it's like, they're going to be sitting in the seat like, damn, there ain't no costume changes. Like, what are different angles? What are music in the Where's background? The like, nah, motherfucker. Yeah. No, yeah, and that's yeah. the impression I got, man. I was super, that's why I was kind of super excited to have you on and not to in no way insult your intelligence because clearly your mind and your um, intuition is better than mine. But like the insights that you just scrolling through your Instagram, like it is, man, it's insightful shit. Like you can tell you think about it a lot, man. And I'm uh, I'm glad I just, I forget even how I messaged you, like how I found your Instagram. He was like, he was like I do the shotgun method. I just want to make sure you that's were right. serious. <laughs> and I was just like, man, this motherfucker don't know me from Adam. But I was like, you know no, what? I, I'm I a, don't. I'm going to fuck with him. But yeah, thank you for that, man, because it's beautiful because yeah. now, you know, like you get this whole new, I at least get this whole new perspective, a new person to follow, and you don't get in like that weird ass like echo chamber of people that you went to like that are in your contacts. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that algorithm starts getting to. And I love it, man. It was so great getting to know you. It was so great um, shooting the shit with you and uh, wish nothing but the best for you and your career, man. I really appreciate your yeah. time. I appreciate you too, man. And uh, I'm going to try to send some people your way so you can really... Uh expand i'm gonna tell them i'm like man you know how to ask questions like it flows but i'm, I'm gonna shoot some people your way and have them dm you and dude, get on this uh platform dude i appreciate it um and just yeah. like give me like underneath them maybe just send a second message like hey man stay the fuck away from blank and <laughs> I, like i almost need like a mute button nah, or some shit <laughs> I, let me rephrase what i said i got some people who i want to make sure they don't get disney either like <laughs> I got a hit You're trying to eliminate competition. <laughs> and you're the perfect motherfucker. I'm like, I got some people who I think they about to become famous before me. Do this shit. Set and I'm going to have this. And I'm going to make sure. I'm like, man, how did that go viral? I don't know who posted it. Like, like, oh shit, I got two subscribers. And both of them robbed Jay? Why? <laughs> He's like, I'm just waiting. Waiting. I'm just waiting, man. I got, some, I got, some I got the perfect person. Podcast, baby. Yeah. <laughs> dude, that's awesome. All right, man. Again, thank you so much. Appreciate it, dude. Have a good one. Absolutely. You too, brother. Nice. Thanks to comedian Rob G for coming on the pod, being willing to just shoot the shit for a while, and um, giving me some career-saving advice. Good luck in those Marvel, Marvel movies, my friend. Thanks to Andre Psyche and Cubs for supporting the Getting to Know You pod. Search up Andre Psyche, that's P-S-Y-C-H-E, on social media. Give him a follow just for the fuck of it. If you haven't already, friend and follow the Getting to Know You pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. The word of the pod. Hecklers. Hecklers is the word of the pod. Post that word on any of our social media or tag the Getting to Know You pod when you use it on yours to get a shout out on our very next podcast don't forget subscribe rate and review the getting to know you pod on apple spotify audible your preferred podcast platform you can also go to our patreon to support the pod for as little as two dollars a month if you've enjoyed getting to know any of our guests and finally if you or someone you know would like to become a sponsor of or advertise on the getting to know you pod we would love to partner with you we have a wide-ranging global audience that would like to get to know more about your brand or business. Interested? Just message us. Later, alligator. <laughs>